All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 60. Yes, we have actually made it to episode 60. What a milestone. A milestone. They, they talk about the averages, about how you know most podcasts last around six or seven episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Episodes, yes. I think you were the one that told me that, yeah. Eddie, after episode five. So you put a lot of pressure on us, dude, to, to make it <laughs> yes. this far. So Did it. <laughs> Go ahead and finish your thoughts. No, I said we did it. Oh, we did it. <laughs> we, did, yeah, we, we did it. We did something. Let me just put it like that. We, we've made enough damage to, to protect, you know, to, to say this is construction now. You make enough destruction, it becomes construction. So we want to thank all the listeners, all the watchers, guys, all the viewers. We, we cannot do this without you. And quite frankly, like I always say, we don't want to do it without you because it's no fun by ourselves. Um, and it's been naturally a, a very trying time. And in the midst of uh, everything that's going on, I know that this is something that is good for all of us, or at least we like to believe that, you know, in, in, in this studio and in this time, it's fun for us. So hopefully it's fun for you guys and hopefully get your minds off the things that we're all dealing with on a daily basis. Cause I know just scrolling through social media one time can already give you a panic attack as it is in these current times. So hopefully this gives you guys something and, and we enjoy doing this as well, but, but let us begin guys. Um, in the midst of current chaos we are living in, it's it's very easy to forget or misplace what is going on in the sports world leading into said current chaos. You know, as far as Zion Williamson was making a strong push for rookie of the year despite missing a third of the season. He was putting on an absolute clinic on a consistent basis and it was so much fun to watch. Tom Brady was dropping subtle hints that he and the Patriots were going to inevitably separate and, and part ways. Uh, some people just chose not to Believe that or not, like uh, my, my, my compadres in here. <laughs> but And then there's more stories. LeBron and the Lakers, they won back-to-back games against the Clippers and Bucks, looking like they were in true form and ready for a uh, finals push. Uh, will or won't Patrick Mahomes become the highest-paid NFL athlete ever? That was a big talking point coming into this uh, inevitable pandemic that now we're looking back at. The Astros were going to get plunked, and we're getting, we're getting plunked by every pitcher and every at-bat at every spring training game, it seemed. And that was probably not going to change as the season progressed. There was so much going on and so much to look forward to. But with all of what we've looked, we've had to look forward to, we've also had something to still look back on. With a growing happiness coming from sobering sadness, with fortune came misfortune, with victory came tragedy, and with wins came losses. With my mind clouded and consumed with social distancing and contributing to slowing the curve over these last several weeks that have felt like months, quite frankly, uh, I admittedly lost sight of one of, if not the most tragic losses we have ever suffered in the history of sports. I I love the Time Hop app. I'm currently on a 668-day streak, by the way, just to let everybody know. Um, I'm, I'm really dedicated to this. I got past 666, so I don't feel as evil as I anticipated. But for those who don't know what the Time Hop app is, the, the name is very much self-explanatory. The Time Hop app 
Uh, its entire purpose is to show you what you have shared to social media on that particular day every year previous to the current one. It's amazing what you can learn or remember about yourself in that app. Most of it is absolutely embarrassing for me. Trust me when I say it. I don't want to share it. I don't want to tell you. Just trust my words. On April 13th, like I always do, I opened up my Time Hop app while I'm drinking my morning coffee. Got to keep the street going, man. That's something I definitely love. But and, and to my surprise, I saw from four years ago to the day a video that I recorded on my phone of a game and performance I will never forget. Kobe Bryant's final game. For those that remember that game and how it went down, you'll recall the magnitude, the movie-like vibe, finish and finale put on display by none other than Kobe Bean Bryant. And Kobe went out as only Kobe could by dropping 60 fucking points on the Utah Jazz, a team that not only still very much was playing for something, playing for a playoff position, but, but a team that the Lakers and Kobe in particular absolutely despised throughout his career with Bucket and bucket dropping as the game went on, you would almost convince yourself that Kobe turned the clock back to 2009, which ironically was the last season in which Kobe even reached 50 in a game, let alone 60. It was either that or it felt as if you were watching something all of us, all of us, all of us in the sports world had to endure over the last month and change, and that's reruns. Regardless of how it was occurring, it was occurring. And from Common Fan to Snoop Dogg, Shaq, and Jack Nicholson, no one sat as they stood in amazement of how Kobe was inking the final sentence of the final chapter in his storied book of a career. If anyone has followed my work for any length of time, they know good and damn well that I was never a Kobe fan. In fact, I didn't like Kobe much at all. Uh, I've always thought and believed that in many ways, in many regards, Kobe was credited for being traded to arguably the greatest franchise in NBA history and inherited a situation few, if any young player ever, gets the chance to inherit. I didn't think he was even the best player of not only some of his teams, but the majority of his career, not even the second best player of his own generation. But for that one night, for that one moment in time in history, none of that mattered. Because no matter how great others, others may have thought of Kobe to be or how overrated I may have thought of Kobe to be, one thing we all knew, it was, he was great. And that greatness was put on display for one final time. And I enjoyed every single second of it. That may have been the last time we witnessed Kobe on a basketball court, but it was far from the last time we witnessed Kobe displaying greatness. From joining ESPN's Detail, uh, the series of him articulating and breaking down film of teams during the NBA playoffs, to winning an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film, to playing a role in the Lakers landing LeBron, to coaching and teaching his budding superstar talent of a daughter in Gianna, Kobe was still greatness. And as I look and reflect back, I realize that even in the midst of what we are in now, and as serious of a time it is, we can still recognize and admire the greatness that Kobe provided on the court and quite frankly, off of it. I may not have been the biggest fan of Kobe, the basketball player, but I could not have been a bigger fan of Kobe, the man. And we that were lucky enough to see both legacies live and in color now share the burden and responsibility of making his legacy last and be known for the generations to follow. More than likely, his career and accomplishments will be changed, over-exaggerated, and therefore viewed as myth one day. We've seen it happen to Michael Jordan. 
But one thing that cannot be overlooked, nor can it be ignored, and that's that Kobe was real and gave us memories that few others could ever replicate or outdo. And for that, I am grateful to sit here today and reflect upon the life and career of Kobe Bryant. And in the words of the man himself, Mamba out. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we got an awesome, awesome segment for you guys. Something we have never done before. We're going to be talking, kind of, with a guest. Kind of. Mr. Josh Webb. Yes, Mr. Josh Webb. Um, Good friend of mine on Twitter that I like to chatter back and forth with. He's of the belief that the running back position is no longer important in the NFL. I got some pushback on that. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios. My guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Go, go, go. All right, so I left the last segment, and, and I, I didn't want to leave too much of a cliffhanger. I think you guys have already seen, if you watched our live video, that when we went live before we started recording, what this was all about. And you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll, you'll see that we there tends to be some debates on there sometimes. And... Um, I try to keep it as healthy as possible, and, and a lot of times I get people that want to have good, healthy conversation and debates, and one of the guys that I really admire and love doing that with is a guy by the name of Josh Webb. You should definitely be following him, guys, on Twitter, uh, at S-H-W-E-B-B-29, so it's Schweb29. Definitely give him a follow, guys. He's a really informed Chiefs fan. He has some really good takes, and this week... Uh, in case you missed it, the Carolina Panthers and running back Christian McCaffrey uh, agreed to a four-year, $64 million deal. And there's no question in my mind that McCaffrey is not only an elite player in today's NFL, but is arguably the best offensive weapon in the NFL today. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Arguably. I would agree to that. Okay, arguably. arguably. But there is this growing belief that not only is McCaffrey not as valuable as his consistent production leads us to believe, but that his position as a whole isn't important. And that is why we decided to give one of the ringleaders of this narrative a platform on our show. And like I said, I have a lot of respect for Josh. We just totally disagreed. I, when I when I contacted him and asked him to do this for us on this, on this I promised him we were not going to make this a nasty thing because I don't want it to be that. It's a very honest conversation, and I promise you I will keep myself in check even though we totally get, disagree on this one. Um, but if we could, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. So Lance asked me to give my take on running backs and why I don't think they matter. But before I get too far into that, let me preface this by saying that I too love watching a good run, love running backs from all Charles, one of my all-time favorite Chiefs, but the positional value to me is just not there. I'm going to explain this uh, simply as I can using three key points. I'll break those down here. So we're going to start with the primary function of a running back, which is obviously running the ball. Uh, According to NFL's big data, 
the average running play in the NFL gains four yards per play. The average passing play in the NFL, taking into account every single completion, incompletion, interception, touchdown, whether it be from Patrick Mahomes or Mitchell Trubisky, every single passing play, if you average all those out, it gains seven yards per play. So passing the ball is nearly twice as efficient as running the ball. That's important because whenever you're applying this to running backs, you look at what they do and you're already saying that what they do is half as efficient as passing the ball. So to summarize that first point, running backs are inefficient. What they do is inefficient. Well, the second point is going to be very related to the first point. So if you have a great running back, or especially if you pay a great running back, then you are intentionally choosing to run an inefficient offense just by means of running your offense and designing it around your running back. So a recent and relevant example of this and what actually initially sparked this discussion between Lance and I was Christian McCaffrey getting paid by the Panthers. So obviously he just got a big deal, making roughly $16 million a year. And this past season, he was the focal point of their offense, right? And he was great, right? He was He's the best running back in the NFL. I mean, he can catch, he's a good runner, he can basically be a slot receiver if he wanted to. Extremely talented guy. And obviously, catching the ball is more valuable than running it, because uh, it's a passing play. So that in and of itself makes him more valuable than other running backs. However, having the best running back in the NFL and running your offense through him uh, didn't really turn out so well for the Panthers. If we look at what happened last year when their entire offense ran through Christian McCaffrey, this led them to be ranked 19th in yards per game. And if you look at the advanced metrics by uh, Football Outsiders, DVOA, they ranked 28th in DVOA um, offensively last year. And it resulted in them having the 7th overall pick in this upcoming draft. So not exactly a ringing endorsement for designing an offense around a running back, even if he is the best one. But don't get me wrong, I understand there are other implications of signing Christian McCaffrey. He's marketable, he's fun, he's only 23 years old, um, he's good for business, he's going to be fantasy relevant, which again helps the marketability. I understand all that. He's going to put up big fantasy numbers, but just know that fantasy and real football are two very different things. And while Christian McCaffrey may win you a fantasy championship, he's going to really matter very little in the win and loss column. So to summarize that second point, spending valuable assets on a running back, whether it be a high draft pick or a large salary cap hit, this is inherently forcing you to run an inefficient offense. So the third point, and perhaps the most important point here, uh, is that of all of the factors that contribute to a successful running play, the individual person who's actually running the ball is one of the least important people or factors. And that may hit your ears a little funny, you may scoff at that, but let me explain. Blocking, run scheme, box count, and down and distance have way more to do with the outcome of a running play than the individual running the ball. That may sound crazy, but if you look at it and say, if you have good blocking, if you have a good run scheme, if your box count is advantageous, that matters. And what doesn't matter is whether it's Zeke Elliott running the ball or whether it's Damian Williams or even Daryl Williams running the ball. If the blocking is there, if the scheme is good, if the box count is in the offense's favor, it's probably going to be a good running play regardless of who's running the ball if they're an NFL talent. So a great example of this uh, is looking at the 49ers who obviously made it to the Super Bowl and they did it with one of the league's best rushing attacks um, and primarily based on their scheme and their blocking. 
had a great offensive line. Kyle Shanahan runs one of the best running schemes the NFL's ever seen. And he did it mostly on the backs of three undrafted free agents, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Matt Breda. Uh, and then if you look at, obviously, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, Damian Williams was also an undrafted free agent. Darrell Williams, undrafted free agent. Uh, Darwin Thompson, sixth-round pick. You don't need good running backs to go far in the playoffs. As a matter of fact, most of the teams that end up going further in the playoffs spend less valuable assets on running backs. Uh, another example of this, just to further drive the point home, is Todd Gurley. Uh, when Todd Gurley played for Jeff Fisher, he was good, nothing special. right? Not It wasn't until Sean McVay came and put in a good scheme, and they had the best run-blocking offensive line in 2018, and which led him to the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley had a breakout year. He was top fantasy running back. Everybody was loving him. He was a superstar, right? But then he got hurt. And at the end of the year, C.J. Anderson came in. And C.J. Anderson, not only did he get them through the playoffs as their top running back, he actually outpaced Todd Gurley and put up better statistics. C.J. Anderson is not a superstar and is not paid like one, yet he actually performed better than superstar Todd Gurley. So to summarize the third point, basically running backs are more dependent on their environment than any other position on the field. And because of that, you have the hashtag running backs don't matter because relatively to every other player on the field, they don't. But running the ball, I'm not saying you should never run the ball. I'm saying that it's an inefficient process. I'm saying that due to its lack of importance, due to the easy replaceability of the position, you should never spend valuable assets on a running back. Instead, you should use those valuable assets to build the environment around that running back which will then make the running back even better. Okay, so first off, I want to sincerely thank our guy Josh for taking the time to break that down for us. I do genuinely appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh, for doing that. But I'm here to push back as much as one can possibly push back on the narrative or take. And I'm going to start right here. Number one, when mentioning the yards per rush as opposed to the yards per pass, I have a very difficult time drawing parallels when running the ball to its origin is for short distancing attacks as opposed to the downfield attack that a general pass game presents. Furthermore, an effective pass game is even more effective when it has an effective rush attack coinciding with it from what I have seen in my 30-plus years of watching football. And vice versa, quite frankly. Both impact the, 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 the effect of the other for better or for worse. In, in other words... I've seen oftentimes, even for the Chiefs, let's just use the Chiefs for example. Whenever I've seen Jamal Charles have a quarterback on a good, he's never really had a great quarterback. Well, let's say in 2010 when Matt Castle was playing his best football. Right. I noticed that the run game was that much more effective because of the fact that Matt Castle was making the defense respect him. I noticed how easy, how much easier Trent Green's job was when Priest Holmes and that amazing offensive line was doing their job how much more effective the run game and and the offense in general was when both were clicking on all cylinders. So, though, again, I do understand that on average, the average passing yards per attempt is going to be higher. That should in no way, shape, or form shock anybody because that's the intention of the offense, of the the passing uh, side of of, of offense, is to get the ball downfield a little bit more, whereas running the ball – 
you're supposed to try to get the chunk yards, the three to five yards per attempt. That's why the best running backs of all time, as far as yards per carry, only average five yards per carry because that is the job of a running back is to mix it up, to give the offense an opportunity to bring the defense in a little bit so they can throw over the defense, at least in today's NFL. I know styles have changed throughout time, but in the current structure of the NFL, that's how rush attacks are still valuable in today's NFL. What do you think, Trevor? I, I believe 100% that complementary football is important. Um, I, I don't like the whole – I don't like the the, the 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 phrasing of it that running backs don't matter. I don't like that. It's too simplified because sports are not that simple. Uh, it's much more deeper than that because you obviously need the running game. You need that. But for me, I'm on the belief as far as like the Christian McCaffrey contract, it's overpaying guys that I think at a at a position that's um, that's vulnerable. That's not that doesn't last very long. And it, we've seen it a lot of times, even in Todd Gurley's case. I mean, I know they got to the Super Bowl and he was amazing that year. Um, but I just don't think paying a premium at that position makes sense anymore. Because uh, we saw the Chiefs being the worst rushing team in the playoffs, and then we went in and won the Super Bowl. Uh, because we we had our, our running backs do the bare minimum of what we needed them to do, make them just respectable. Because we see, we, yeah, we see how the game is nowadays. Like you talked about, Matt Castle, how the game was back then. The quarterback just just make them respect the pass just enough so we can use the run game to attack them with the run game. Because offenses back then, even obviously before that, were very run centric. Um, so you had to make them – it was the other way around. Now now you, you need to run the ball just enough to make them respect the run game so the passing game opens up. And obviously we passed – today's game, you passed to the running back far more than you do – than we have in any other uh, generation of the sport. So obviously Christian McCaffrey being – him and guys like him and Kamara – uh, uh, um, you know, like guys like Le'Veon Bell being great pass catchers. That's the kind of running back you you have to be in this league to get even close to that money. Um, but I, I feel like it's a trap for me. It's more of a money thing, and and I think you're setting yourself up to fail as a franchise to to overpay a running back. I don't think the Panthers are going to do anything. I don't think they're going to win any rings anytime soon. And his and his uh within that contract of Christian McCaffrey, they might make they might make the playoffs. They might not. Um, but for me, as far as the the game goes, I feel I feel like I agree. With our guy here, I think he, I think he's pretty much spot on. I agree with about ninety eight percent of what he said. Um, I just, we, I mean, the Chiefs proved it this past season, um, and I think we're going to prove it even more because we have another. We had, you know, uh, DeAndre Washington coming to the group, and I think we're going to grow with those guys. I don't think we need a big name running back. I mean, it was nice having guys like Kareem Hunt, you know, banging away. Um, that was nice. That was a luxury, but that doesn't mean you have to have that luxury. I think I, I do think that running backs aren't as important as they definitely aren't as important as they used to be, you know, and as far as the eighties and the nineties went, um, cause every, like I said, everything was run centric. So with, with today's game being a passing centric offensive, you know, way about things now, especially with the chiefs offense and most offenses trending that way. Um, it's just like quarterbacks too with, with quarterbacks you know, most quarterbacks, you know, they need you to be mobile. Now you got to have some kind of mobility back in the day. You didn't have to worry about that at all. You know, just hand it off or just, you know, make the right uh, adjustment at the line of scrimmage and call your audibles and you, you should be good from there. Guys like Peyton Manning, you know, depending on that, his whole career. So, yeah, I do think I do think running backs are being overvalued. Uh, well, not necessarily because uh, McCaffrey is the outlier right now because that contract is gigantic. He's well deserving of it. I just don't think that's a winning formula. Look, uh, I just got to add to that. Uh, what, what this conversation takes me back to is uh, the uh, – the Seahawks uh, Patriots Super Bowl, hmm. that last play. What what does everybody complain about that last play? 
should have handed the ball to who? One of the greatest running backs of all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're you're talking about running the ball. You're not talking about passing it. So you can argue that the the running backs are becoming obsolete and whatnot. But you still need it, you still need them. Like the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, mm. the, the running game stepped up throughout the whole playoffs. The running back the the, the running backs stepped their game up, mm-hmm. and that helped the Chiefs become who like become champions. We're not gonna sit here and den- like not look at the fact that. Uh, it was a Damian Williams ran over 100 yards against, uh, I believe, the Titans or uh, the Vikings. The Vikings, yeah. So it, it's it's like you you gotta you gotta you gotta put faith in, in your running backs. You can't just not need them because in the passing game, like you mentioned, Trevor, mm-hmm. you also need that pass protection. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons that Cheese brought back Spencer Ware was because of that simple reason because he can block in short yardage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. So you can argue that yeah, it's becoming more of a passing league, but at the same time, you got to think about okay, I still need I still need to give that quarterback that protection. So I need a I need a running back that can block, you know, uh, mm-hmm. those linemen coming in to to get my quarterback. So I I just think that it, it is not becoming obsolete. It just might be less of a a running game situation yeah. in the games. It's more of a passing, but still, you need that check down, you know. The quarterbacks need that check down, those yeah. easy five yards, those easy three yards. You're at the fourth, fourth and one, fourth and inches. You yeah. want to run the well, ball. Well, like I said, it's it's not it's not the fact that it's obsolete or it's becoming obsolete. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the way the game is flipped it's on its the, head. Yeah, so it's more of yeah. a passing game. But so mm-hmm. so you would say that your running backs need more muscle now than they did back then. You just need a respectable Ex- running game. Exactly. That's all yeah, you yeah. need. And, you and, don't and, need elite running. Well, in Josh's second point of the video, uh, he addre- he uh, directly addresses the overall value of the position and, and McCaffrey in particular. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys kind of segue to that. Um, I, and I appreciate Josh acknowledging the fact that McCaffrey significantly benefits the Panthers yeah. in regards to marketability. He's deserving of that money, no yeah, doubt. In regards to marketability, popularity, and general merch, merch and ticket sales, I mean, he is their hope mm-hmm. right now. That's the, their franchise is, Yes, exactly. And so that's why they're not it doesn't really him. matter what position he exactly. is. That's just, that's just that's how it goes right now. Um, those are all facts that cannot be ignored by anyone. Uh, but something that Josh said that I will push back on in mentioning of the lack of offensive production and the ultimate result and placement of their current draft position and how it correlates with running their particular offense through their superstar running back, I want to give an example, um, a comparison that I used in Josh and I's initial debate this last week uh, of all the more recent co- running backs that you can compare you know, actually compare uh, McCaffrey and his production to is Marshall Falk. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1999 season, Marshall Falk became the second running back in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards while also receiving 1,000-plus receiving yards in the same season, and for 20 years, he was the last running back to do so. Um, that wasn't until McCaffrey did it just this last season, and, and I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but like McCaffrey, Falk, Falk was the primary target and weapon for that team that season and several other seasons before and after. And, and in this season in particular, Falk's offense – was not only not only finished first in total offense and points per game, whereas if you just looked at Josh's breakdown of how the 2019 Panthers couldn't have been much different. So with what what's the ultimate difference between these two? The surrounding talent. Yeah. Hall of Fame and, talent. And, and Cam Newton, you know, hits the first name that comes off to the board when he comes to McCaffrey's early career and what, what he's had around him. Well, yeah. last season, Cam only played two games, and it was the first two games of the season. Yeah. And McCaffrey had to play with guys like Kyle Allen as his quarterback. You guys care to guess 
who the quarterback for the Rams was in 1999? Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer, in his prime, no less. And what about the other offensive weapons yeah. around him? Well, I'm glad Tory you guys Holt. asked. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Ricky Prohl. What about one of the best offensive lines in the NFL led by Hall of Fame left tackle Orlando Pace, no less? One of the best coaching staffs as and well. And let's, let's look at McCaffrey's supporting cast, shall we? Rookies like DJ Moore and second start, second year starter Curtis Samuel both are promising players, but sure aren't in any way comparable to this point of their careers to Bruce and or Holt. Not to mention, they had a 34-year-old injury-prone tight end in Greg Olson who had a grand total of two touchdowns last season. Oh, and did I mention that they lost Cam after week three? <laughs> We now know that despite both running backs sharing something so unprecedented, literally only three players have ever done it in the history of the NFL. They both went in opposite directions in regards to team achievement, and it had nothing to do with either one of them. One had a Super Bowl-worthy roster, did go to the Super Bowl and win, by the way, and the other one was in team purgatory. That is literally the only difference between them. They both had almost the identical season but because one had an actual worthy team around them, they the, the, there are opposite ends and results. Yeah. And that's why I have to I push back on that narrative that, well, you can't build your team around a running back when it was clearly evident the Rams were running around. They were operating around Marshall it's, situa- it's situational. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. I mean, it's situational because I mean, that's why I don't. And, and if I'm the GM, I don't like the contract very much because, yeah, he's he's your best shot at winning games. But at the same time, you're kind of handicapping yourself because they don't have the roster to build around him necessarily. I like Teddy. I don't see Teddy taking them to a Super Bowl or making a playoff run necessarily. They could surprise me, but I just I, that, I don't that's, see that happening. That's the point, though, is that and, – and, and I think and, – and point number three, that we can touch on this, and I, I don't want to repeat myself on that, but just to jump right into that p- portion of it. Yes, in most instance, instances, you're not going to need to pay a running back in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of instances, you are you are because of the way that you're not like, the NFL does not have Patrick Mahomes is just grown on trees or no. Aaron Rodgers. Those are the guys that can get away with not having great running backs. But guys like Teddy Bridgewater are going to need a Christian McCaffrey if they want to have success. That's why if you see a lot of average quarterbacks that stick around right, like Alex Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith had Frank Gore right to Jamal Charles. Yeah. There's no Prime coincidence Frank as to Gore. why both both those running backs helped him lead to some serious success in his career. There's no coincidences. He has to some that. good defenses in yes. San Fran as well. But now, yeah. now, now, Josh's third point is actually the point I will agree with for the most part. I do believe that running backs in this particular, in most cases, benefit off of what's around them in regards to production than any other position. I will agree with that. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to take this time to make it very clear that I realize in most cases the running back position does not hold equal or the same va- equal or more value than other positions. In most cases, as I just specified earlier. Mm-hmm. But to that point, no position and no player hosts equal value to other to other teams across the board. Unless, again, like your Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, or Peyton Manning. And in most cases, in today's NFL, the quarterback will have more value to a team than the running back. And Josh gives examples as to why. He's 100% correct that backs like Todd Gurley improved production when a better, more prepared coach yeah. came in and took over. From Jeff Fisher to uh, Todd McVay, or Sean yeah. McVay. You're right. And yes, C.J. Anderson had an incredible run, pun intended, in their Super Bowl campaign back in 2018. But there's a reason as to why guys like Gurley got a job in minutes once the Rams cut him, despite having lingering and deteriorating injuries and ailments to his knee, and no one can tell me where C.J. Anderson is currently. And to the point of improvement, 
when better coaching emerges, we see prime examples in quarterbacks too. What happened with Jared Goff? Had an MVP caliber season in 2018 when McVay came there, as opposed to his rookie campaign. Alex Smith, again, as I mentioned before, was benched five times in seven seasons in the unstable environment known as the Niners back then. Rich Gannon, going from a backup at Kansas City to an MVP in Oakland. Hell, Tom Brady, who many consider to be the GOAT, directly benefited off playing in and under the same system all of these years. Of course, the coaching and surrounding talent matters and definitely matters to some positions, successes more than others. But Trevor, real quick, let me ask you. And Eddie, I'm going to ask you as well. If you're starting a team with a running back position first, you have you have no other players on the board right now. You're going running back first, okay? That's how you build your team. Who are you taking? Damian Williams or Christian McCaffrey? McCaffrey, no doubt. If you're starting your team with just running back first. Oh, so, I, you're, so I have a budget. You know, you're, you're, you have a 53-man roster you're building, and you have to start at running back. Who are you taking, Damian Williams or Christian McCaffrey? I mean, talent-wise, you're going to take McCaffrey. Yeah. But, I mean, that, there's so much there that I can't just simply answer that because, yeah, you could say McCaffrey just because of the talent. But if I have a budget, say I'm putting it together a fantasy team. With, no, with, just with, period. Like, you have a 53-man roster. Money doesn't matter. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, if I have McCaffrey. all the money, but that's not reality. Duke Johnson or Prime Marshall Falk? Duke Johnson. Oh, oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's um, it's kind of a non-starter, but yeah. Eddie? Uh, I'm going to go full. Okay. Uh, CJ Anderson or prime Adrian Peterson. <laughs> okay. Yep. Running backs matter. <laughs> Running backs matter. I, I, I can, I, I see Trevor's point uh, coming into uh, the, the, like the cap 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 hit cap yeah. space. That, that, that's literally where Trevor's coming from. I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, you have to pay talent what it's worth. And, and like Lance was talking about earlier in uh, I can't remember in what episode, but in another episode where he was talking about how running backs are undervalued uh, because of like the, the time that they play. Yeah, the they, shelf life. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. shelf life, pretty much. So they're, they're underpaid. So when uh, Ezekiel Elliott got paid, we all were like, okay, he he earned it, he deserved it. Yeah, that's why the Cowboys are doing shit though. Save from McCaffrey. I, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with no. it. Okay. Because it was the coach well, who's, on that. Who, okay, honestly, right now, if you look at the Cowboys' offense over the last three years, who's been the one? Zeke's had great numbers. How much have the Cowboys won, though? Are you going to directly correlate with him or the injuries in the coaching? No, yeah. I'm just saying he has his production, but what is it really getting you? Okay, it's so not, that, has, that, has that helped them or hurt like, them more? It hasn't. It's in between. It hasn't done anything. Okay, my point, though, is they let's say they had a better coach. Let's say they had a No, I'm not Reed. saying they haven't squandered his talent. Right. I'm not saying that. So, But how much do they really matter if he's not putting you over the top? To where it doesn't matter how good your coach is. You can go across the board with that, though, because Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Right, so context, He's been to one Super Bowl. This is a contextual yeah. issue, then. That's it's what like, I'm saying. So the, yeah. the value of each position does vary, but that's not the case across the board. Okay, Every but I'm, team I'm saying if I'm a GM and I know that uh, the running back is the issue, I, I would rather take a lesser talented running back and have enough production to open up other opportunities to better the team. When in general. you're starting a team, though, I'm not talking about you going and signing a guy to a five-year, sixty-four million dollar, four-year, sixty-four million dollar right, right, deal. Right. I'm talking about drafting players, getting guys on a cheap deal to start your team. Let's say Christian McCaffrey's on a rookie deal, and so is Damian Williams. Yeah, that opportunity Clear. is real. That's that is the entire. That's what? the center of my point. Is that. You have to differentiate talent and production at every position. Okay, but I'm saying, okay, so you're telling me you would take Christian McCaffrey over like uh, Julio Jones? Say, say they're the same age coming into the same draft. You can pick between the two guys. You have a really good quarterback. Are you going to take Christian McCaffrey to balance out your offense? And you know he's going to be, he's going to get that contract. Or are you going to take oh, a guy, Julio you, Jones okay, talent? You say really good quarterback, spe- specify quarterback. Well, you you just gave me an unreal, unrealistic scenario about you, taking McCaffrey okay, first. You're specifying the wide receiver and running back, specify on the quarterback. 
Okay, say you have a prime Peyton Manning. Oh, hell no. I'm taking Julio Jones all day. That's what I'm saying. So, but like, that's, it's but that's, exactly, that's exactly the point I made, though, is that if you have a great quarterback, you don't have to worry. Like, you know, it's like this, like this, like this. Christian McCaffrey is insanely valuable yes, to the Panthers. No doubt. If he was with the Chiefs, he would not be nearly as valuable as he is to the right, Panthers. Right. Not Value is not created equally. Right. Every team has different. You have different levels of value to every team, unless you're Patrick yeah, Mahomes I'm or Rodgers. I'm confident in this Chiefs running back room to go one, repeat and win the Super Bowl again. Julio Jones is so much more valuable to the Falcons than he would be to the Panthers because Teddy Bridgewater is not going to utilize him like Matt Ryan can. Mm, yeah, that's well, my point. And now that the Falcons have Todd Gurley as well, my, that my point helps. That, my point remains, and and you're going to see in in that offense. That girl, he's probably not going to be as valuable. No. The reason why uh, he's not is because Matt Ryan's better than Jared Goff. Well, and he's not the same cat as he was before, man. Let's be honest. His, right. his knees are not the same. Look at but. look at look at like Adrian Peterson. The majority of his career, he played with backup quarterbacks as a starting quarterback. Yeah. It's no wonder he's one of the greatest as far as, far as production. Yeah. Because their offenses relied on yeah, him. Yeah, they won yeah. strictly on the back of him. No right. doubt. So, so that's kind of so I get where Lance is coming from. Yeah, I see both Christian sides. That's why it's yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a contextual. But I, but I think you're looking at more of a like the cap space. I think you're looking more into the money. That's than, real. Than, than that's it what is, it is. It is the actual talent. Mm-hmm. Let's just valuing the talent of that position yeah. without putting putting money I'm, yeah. all over and, it. And you have right to now. consider with the money, because I understand $16 million a year is a lot for a running back. Mm-hmm. But think about it like this. Let's say he gets through all four years of this. He'll be 27, okay? Mm-hmm. 27 years old, okay? And you're talking about, again, with all the marketability, jersey sales, ticket sales based on him alone, mm-hmm. all the commercials and things of that nature that he's promoting the Panthers, that money is... Nothing compared to what he's bringing back. Who was who was who was the best running team in the league last year? It was the 49ers, correct? Yes. yes. Right. Name me the all-star running back that they have. Okay, that's fair. And that's an honest under, but here's the thing. The but reason the hold on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm saying. They had a run scheme that is unique to all different schemes. The Shanahan way works with third, fourth string running backs. We've seen Andy Reid do the exact same thing. That's why we won the Super but Bowl. Why, Danny okay. Williams went off. Okay, but to your point, why did the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl? Because they had Patrick Mahomes. They didn't need and a great running back. Andy Reid kind of coached his ass off. We, no, yeah. I, I 100% yeah. believe that. It's not like Andy Reid all of a sudden Pat became a better coach the moment Andy, the moment Patrick Mahomes yeah. took over from Alex Smith. It's he had a better quarterback. And in Kansas City, the quarterback position is more valuable than the running back position. But in Carolina, you're talking about Christian yeah, McCaffrey. is clearly quarterback and running back position. My point, that's my point, yeah, though, yeah. is the value is different in every single that's situation. That's why I don't like people saying that running backs just don't matter. And that's that's where Josh and I initially had yeah. our debate. And, yeah. and again, I Josh made some really good points. And like I said, the third one I did agree with. Mm, that yeah. it is there is a difference. And I, I do, I'm with him on that. Yeah. But to contextualize, I would not be in support of the Chiefs giving Christian McCaffrey a $64 million deal yeah. like I would be for the Panthers because he means more to that team right now. Yes. yes. That's he put, my he puts that's asses in seats. And he's yeah, an exactly. amazing their, player that they can build around. That's franchise player yeah. that who, they're, who they have to build around because they don't have nobody else to build around. Yeah. So it's like they're going into this draft building around him. They already paid him. Now now they got to build around I'm him. I'm just saying, has that ever been a successful formula outside of that Rams team? I mean – and the offenses obviously have changed, and the Rams obviously were before their time. Well, it's, I mean, we can look at re- recently, dude. I mean, you're not talking about you super. You talk Derrick Henry, but no, they're no, not no. Win I'm not game. even talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2018. Yeah, but with all star running. Sony Michelle and, and James White had. Oh. I'm not. I did not say they're superstars. I'm not saying that. But you they're saw the running starters. game be the most valuable position in the passing in game. That, in the passing game. I'm I know. Sa- okay, Tom Brady had one touchdown in the playoffs, Trevor, mm-hmm. and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. How did they do that? Yeah, but uh, that's kind of helping me up. My point, though, because I'm talking about they. how much invested were they in those running backs? 
Those were not high paid running backs. Now, but see, now you're only specifying on the dollar amount. That, as, has, as, that as has to be a factor, though. It has to be a factor. Yeah. I agree. But you don't think that the Patriots still win the Super okay, Bowl if they had Chris McCaffrey well, in a four-year segment started out, This whole segment started around Chris McCaffrey getting that money, right? No, there's the announcement. What, it's what segues the entire argument. Yes, that he got his money, so therefore we discuss. Okay. So with Christian McCaffrey making the money he does or not, hmm. does he not elevate the team around him? Without a, without a doubt. So running backs matter. That, that's they do matter. The yeah, I, that's, yeah why, that's, that's why that's I don't like the, the phrasing. Yes. I don't like the phrasing that they don't matter. That's BS. I mean, yeah. that, because every position running backs matters in, in particular too. Not yeah. just the position, but certain running backs in particular. Because like I just gave you guys scenarios of which running backs you'd rather have. Mm. It's clear and evident you'd in rather have a better game, running back. Just yeah. a random question. In today's game, what would you rather have? An elite tight end or or an elite running back? Comes down to my quarterback. That's it what is. I'm saying. So it's contextual. So like for me, in the Chiefs offense, obviously, having Travis Kelsey is more valuable than having a Derrick Henry on this offense. In other words, Josh, you're wrong. Damn it. I'm just kidding, man. No, honestly, <laughs> I, I really... a good topic, man. He's a that's great, a good, he is a great, great follow. No, that video was good, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. It means a lot, dude. And hopefully one of these days, very soon, we can get you actually on the show as yeah. opposed to having to make you make a quarantine video for us. <laughs> but regardless, dude, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and everybody that's listening, everybody's watching, go on Twitter right now. Follow our guy. It's uh, Schweb. 29 it's s-h-w-e-b-b 29 really good really knowledgeable uh chiefs fan definitely a guy you want to surround yourself with when it comes to chiefs related topics and, and things of that nature on social media so we're gonna take a break right now when we come back we're doing the eddie hour don't be oh, too excited yeah. keep your shirts on because eddie's gonna keep his on or at least try Ladies. we have to photoshop gat's oh, gonna probably have to photoshop a shirt in a second because eddie's about to relinquish the the tethos. so in that we'll get back to that after this Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Hey, yo! Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Speaking of Eddie Ortiz, it is now one of our favorite segments. I would say it's a, a top six favorite uh, segment. <laughs> There's only six. <laughs> There's Definitely only five in the top seconds. six. Damn it. Every single week, even if we only have four segments, we're top six for sure. The Eddie Hour, it is upon us. So, Eddie, take it away. What we got going on, man? All right, man. I got a couple questions for you guys. Uh, so here's the first one. Uh, my first one is: We got Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. They're both unrestricted, under unrestricted free agents in right. 2022, I believe. If you had to choose one to to sign on, on a long term deal, who would it be and why? Yeah, this is uh, something that I, I believe we we did run the, on the poll on, on Twitter and I believe Facebook too. Yeah. Uh, this was a pretty unanimous, I would say, a landslide vote, and um, I try to be contrarian when I when I feel it's right. You know what I mean? I feel I try to pick and choose my spots. This one's pretty easy for me, um, even though Eric Fisher plays a much more important position for a right-handed quarterback. You know, right. protecting Patrick blindside. Eric Fisher is very much more replaceable than Mitchell Schwartz, in my mm. opinion. Mitchell Schwartz is on a pace and a trajectory of making the Hall of Fame. This man is unbelievably good at his position. Right. 
He, I mean, before he got hurt in the Titans game this year, which seemed like everything went wrong in that game, he hasn't missed a snap in several years. And this guy doesn't allow sacks. He's, I wish I had the numbers for you guys. I wish, yeah. I really wish I do. But it is, his sack totals are at a complete minimum. I understand, again, that right tackles are not as important in a right-handed throwing offense. But when you have a rare breed at the right tackle position, you cannot ignore that. And I hope and I fully anticipate that he's going to finish his career, him as Mitchell Schwartz, finishing his career in Kansas City. However long that is, he plays. I fully expect Mitchell Schwartz to continue his career here. And I do believe they will be selecting between the two. And I do think it'll be Mitchell. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. If I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Mitchell allowed a sack all la, all last season. I think you're right. I don't think he allowed all. On one hand, you got him not allowing a sack, and then Fisher eleven and zero. The Chiefs didn't lose when eleven he and zero. Yeah, 11 so it's and like kind of like ah. I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, like you said, left tackles the 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 position on the offensive line, most important key spot. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Shorts as well. I just think he's he is special. I think Fisher is good, but I think Shorts is special, and it shows. And he, Protecting the quarterbacks is the most important thing. Fisher has given up plenty of sacks. We've seen that before. Um, we do win when he starts. Winning is important, obviously, but uh, protecting the health of the quarterback to me is even more important. Even if you lose, I'd rather come out healthy. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Schwartz. Cool, cool, cool. I like the answers. Uh, just just kind of like a follow-up. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the age of both of them. Who- Eric Fisher is 29 yeah. and Mitchell's already 30. Okay. So there's not that much of a difference. And quite honestly, the wear and tear is more on, unfortunately, on Fisher's side um, more yes. than Mitchell. Because like I said, Mitchell's been healthy his entire career. Yeah, he's Iron Man. Yeah, he's he's just one of those guys that just find a way to stay healthy as much as possible. Who do you think? Because it's going to come down to probably either signing both of them or having to sign one of them, letting that's, one of them go. So that's what, what I'm saying. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna, I, I, to – I fully expect yes. Because yeah. Kansas City. Again, he's, yeah. you, like you said, Trevor – Fisher is good. He is good. Yeah. He's, he's above average at the left tackle position. Which and is, the, he's extremely valuable to the team because they didn't have a good backup. Cam Irving was ass. Yeah. Our guy Kent likes to say cheeks. Kent Swanson loves to say cheek. I say ass. ass. I mean, Interstate 75, for God's sakes, man. It was that bad. And so Eric Fisher, obviously, at this last season was insanely valuable. You could even make the case that he was more valuable than Schwartz this season. But in long-term longevity... I don't think it's close. Yeah. I just think everything that Mitchell brings, it's clear and evident. He's the guy you want to surround your offensive line with more than you would Eric Fisher. I just trust him more. Yeah, it'll be evident too, seeing what the draft, the King, the, the Kings, the Chiefs doing the drafts. Oh, the- yeah, I miss basketball, man. I miss basketball. But yeah, uh, we'll see what they do with the draft. Uh, if they take a left, you know, tackle, that'd be uh, obviously evident to see what direction they're going to go with that. So. And well, okay. Thank you for your uh, for your answers on that question. And then my second question. Thank you, Lance, for bringing up the NBA. Wait, I'm Lance. I mean, uh, Trevor. <laughs> so I'm, hold on. So NBA is on your mind, and you're mixing up the brothers. Oh man, what the what hell a... is going on? We've been doing this for sixty All right. episodes. <laughs> All is forgiven. <laughs> All is forgiven, dude. You don't want to talk about choosing between people. Exactly. You guys are my Eric Fisher, and Mitchell right. Swartz. So from here on out. So from here on out, just know. Twenty twenty two coming quick, boys. Oh man. Okay. So my. This question, I'm going to build it up a little bit. So, in Mexico, um, well, obviously, you guys have heard of the of the uh, of the EA Sports game, mm-hmm. FIFA. Yeah, right. You've heard of FIFA. You've seen people play it, probably. Yeah, I played. Yeah, of course. Okay, so in Mexico, what they did because of this whole whole pandemic going on, what they did is they had the entire league choose three players from each team 
and these players compete uh, throughout the week. So they they obviously play their respective teams. Mm. Uh, one player at a time plays each uh, opponent. So it's not all three against three. No, it's one against one for that uh, for that uh, for that week. So there are in I, I believe game four this week. So my my question for you guys, uh, with Trevor bringing up the NBA, would you guys be up for NBA player or, or NBA teams selecting three NBA players, regardless if they know how to play? Uh, 2K, the game NBA 2K, mm-hmm. just selecting three players to represent their team against another team, kind of just to give the fans some kind of and like some kind of enjoyment and in, in some basketball since basketball is away. Obviously, these games will not count towards what has happened throughout the season. It'll be kind of starting like a new small season, like from now until they pick back up if they pick back up, and it's something you guys are willing to 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 uh enjoy and probably watch so that's my question for content you guys. uh yeah is it is it sports related content that's live that gives fans something to look forward to they would want to tune in because for me it's like this whatever gets people to pay attention and whatever anybody's craving at this time especially at this time give me it yeah. even if even if i'm not personally interested or invested even if it's not something i want like i'll be honest that's probably not something i'm gonna watch that's probably not something I'm going to make sure I tune into. Yeah. I might if I scroll across. Oh, this is interesting. Let me check it out. Just being real here. But if there are people out there that are fiending for it, how in the how in the world, especially being people that run a sports show, would be opposed to the idea that, man, this could give people some sort of morale, some sort of you know escape, because that's what sports ultimately is. Not to get all philosophical here, but that's what sports ultimately is for us, the consumer, is to escape from reality for a little bit, give us a break, let our minds rest a little bit, dole, our, dole the mind, dole the senses for a minute, and enjoy something that's very simplistic. Yeah. So yes, man, I am 100% with it. Whatever they want to put out there that people like, Keep doing it, man. Straight yeah, up. If only there was an option to do like some kind of like seance or ritual sacrifice to the Dark Lord to bring. <laughs> is it, is the Dark Lord available right now? Yeah. I, thought he, I thought he got signed to a long term deal like Christian McCaffrey, yeah, so he might like, not be you know available for. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I wish that was an option because I would. I, I might just sacrifice myself just to, for the humanity uh, to bring everybody. He's back. very Iron yes, Man right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. very. I'm a man of the people. Sorry, if that's a spoiler. We apologize, but <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I mean, I would, it's something that I would watch, uh, depending on the personalities. Um, I even seen, uh, I think Victor Oladipo was challenging or Steven, um, Lance Stevenson was challenging Victor Oladipo. I don't know if you saw that KD was doing like a live stream. I think so. I think yeah. So. And, and, yes. and, uh, 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 and Victor Oladipo, Victor Oladipo and Lance Stevenson chimed in on his live stream in the comments. And, uh, Lance Stevenson was like challenging Victor Oladipo one-on-one. That would be fun to watch, like some one on one. Does Kevin Kevin Durant have multiple accounts? Yeah, yeah. Like where he does like a burner one, but then like then there's like the real one. And he like talks shit throughout the whole. Okay, it was actually a deep fake. It was it was you know, (laughs) um, it wasn't really KD. No, uh, it was Kyrie Irving. No, um, yeah. So I mean, it's something I would watch. It's something you know. We even saw the Tyree Kill do the little football Football. the Madden Madden tournament. You know, him and Tyrone Matthew were beefing on Twitter. It was hilarious. They, Dude, that like, got personal. Ty- yeah, Tyrone took that, that got shit personal. Real. Like, that was, it, like, that was good Tyron content. was was like big man, yeah, bro. He was big man on that tweet. shit. Well, that's because he beat him and then got scared. <laughs> yeah. He got his ass beat, dude. <laughs> I think even Tyreek said something like, hey, my match quit all of a sudden. What the hell? Well, Tyrone was mad because because obviously they were broadcasting at this time. And he said, because he said Cheetahs beat him a couple times before without broadcasting it. 
Didn't so. Derwin James just annihilate Tyreek? I, mean, like I don't know who the champ like was. I don't know. I think it was Derwin James. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was like 48 to three no, or something. 52 to three. Got destroyed. Three? Yeah, Tyreek, man. A defensive guy would shut Tyreek down. Hey, Derwin James that man, too. But yeah, that's dude. I'm surprised Derwin didn't pull a hamstring in the game. With the social media, the way it is, and people starving for something to watch, I think it would be fun content to watch those guys. As long as they don't drop any N-words, you know. Hold this L. Man. Yeah, that's bad. But, uh, but yeah, like in, in the, the the way they're doing it in Mexico, it's fun. It, it's uh, interactive because it, they have they people open, from different sports, right? Doing it? No, they? no, no, no. So just the players representing Formula the clubs. One is yeah. actually doing that that's with, what, oh, with different right. sports, like uh, cricket players, celebrities, and celebrities. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Formula like One is doing that, yeah. and then kind of like Mexico, that Mexican league, the soccer league, kind of borrowed from that, and, yeah. And they select each team selected their three players. Uh, some of the players never played FIFA, so it's, yeah. it's fun to watch because you're you're watching like a a life massacre on yeah. television, <laughs> you know, like getting the you know just destroyed on. But but it's fun because they're having fun. They, yeah, they're interacting with fans. Yeah, uh, that sounds like two for two for me, man. Yeah, yeah. so like it, I, I I personally think it would be cool for like the NBA since it's 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 in a posh right now. Well, like, it's to, a stars league. People would like to see to, the stars to bring back like yeah. you know like the NBA coming back and selecting two of their players, you know, to the top players, bring them back. Play a couple two K games. Yeah, I mean, these leagues don't count towards anything, but just have like a tournament, you know, and see what team comes out on top. And it would be cool if they allowed like Vegas to let you bet on it. That would oh, that would draw that would draw oh, away yes. more people. Oh, I'm sure. I'm now, sure. I would. That that would be fun to bet on yeah. that. But, so yeah. that that's my question. You know, I've been, I've I've honestly been watching. I'm hooked to that because I love playing FIFA. That's one of my top videos. Yeah. But overall, it's sports, and I like and I like what they're doing and how they're interacting with fans. More than they would when yeah. they, when they're on the on the field playing the actual game. So I really enjoy that. So for that, sure. that's my question for you guys today. So. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure, and by the way, I'm really glad that we got uh, Eddie the Coachella tickets. Yes, thank uh, he's you. Out, he's out there. It, he's out there in his lonesome right now. Um, Molly's not so fun think, on drone. I think I'm yeah. the only one like, invite. Uh, it's hard for me to tell. <laughs> yeah, but like like Vegas has I'm, like an over under of like negative five yeah. people right yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, you so you I'm, screwed the over under. I'm just waiting on the, the opening lack of act, stages. Honestly, if, the, if I'm really being honest, did yeah. the lack of stages give it away that there's uh, more like no cello? Is that what's <laughs> happening? Like, is that where we're at? No cello, fella. It's like like that's <laughs> that's where you're at, Eddie. I think Kanye still no showed up. <laughs> we got like, we got like a live L going on. I think, right I now. think Kanye still showed up though. Yeah. I think he's out. This reminds me of that of the was it that P D D thing in the island or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it really oh, oh, about. The fire, yeah, the fire festival, yeah. whatever it was called. Eddie, we're gonna take you there next week. You're going there next. Week. You're, Eddie's uh, just on a tour, guys. Is that Ja Rule and Pete? He's at Nochella. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm gonna go to a and private fake island. fire festival. That's yes. what it's called. The fake fire festival. Are you gonna can't, can't wait. <laughs> that's it for the Eddie Hour. We appreciate Eddie Popping for uh, giving us those questions. Are really well thought out questions. We appreciate. We do that every single week. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We have the segment of the night, in my opinion, man. This is something that I know all you Chiefs fans are very much looking forward to uh, in regards to the draft. Eddie just talked about you know alternate alternatives to, to get our minds off of things and have some sort of sports. Well, we have some real tangible things going on. The NFL draft is this next weekend, guys, and I cannot be more excited about it. I know you guys are feeling the same way. I see you guys on social media talking about it. What the hell are the Chiefs going to do, man? This is one of the toughest drafts to predict and that's coming from uh analysts across the board to just the regular dipshits like us man so we're gonna definitely tackle this one and this next segment so be prepared for that we'll get back to that after this yeah. 
To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. Yo, I got no Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four, I am your host Lance Twidwell here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. All right, guys, we just got done with the Eddie Hour, and we're going to get right into this because this has been the segment I've been really waiting for all night. Because we know what's coming up this next weekend, and that is the NFL Draft. Oh, not even this weekend; it's Thursday, so it's going to be even sooner than we expected. A little less than a week away. Really, really excited for this, guys, because this is one of the more unpredictable drafts. Uh, Chiefs related or just across the board period. We have uh, so many unknowns. Who's trading up where? Which quarterbacks are going first? Uh, are the Bengals even going to take Burrow? There's so much that we can talk about when it comes to the NFL and all the other 31 teams. We're going to keep it right here in Kansas City. We're going to break down to you guys what we expect to see the Chiefs do with each and every pick. We're not going to give you names of players. That's why you need to go to the 2020 KC Draft Guide from Arrowhead Pride. Get the details of which players in particular you need to go with. They're the experts on that. We're going to go by what we think the Chiefs are going to do position-wise, which positions we would like to see the Chiefs take at each uh, draft pick. So I'm going to go ahead and start right now because, as we all know, you only get the 30-second pick on most instances unless you win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. They got the 32nd overall pick. And I have been of the belief, and a lot of people that I trust have been of the belief, that the Chiefs are not going to stay at 32, barring somebody like a Patrick Queen falling down to 32. And I trust my guys at Arrowhead Pride. I usually say whoever does things for Arrowhead Pride, whoever, whatever Arrowhead Pride says, I usually trust for myself. And again, if Patrick Queen was to fall to 32, I'd be all for the Chiefs taking that opportunity with Patrick Queen at 32. I don't anticipate that Patrick Patrick Queen is going to be put passed up 31 times in this draft. Therefore, I am predicting that the Chiefs trade back from 32 into the 40s, giving them an additional second and third round pick, going from five to six picks, keeping Patrick Mahomes as still the last first-round pick the Chiefs have taken. That's 2017, guys. That's insane to think. And I, with this pick in the 40s, I've really had, a, I've really gone back and forth. I've been advised to take something different. I'm going to stick with it. And although I know that the Chiefs like, like what they have in Brashad Breeland, Shavarius Ward, and Rashawn Fenton, hell I do too, I still think the Chiefs are going to take a quarterback at, uh, uh, at the in the 40s with that pick. I think they take cornerback with that first pick they mm. get out of the trade in the second round. Trevor, what do you think? Um, I actually I I love what you said, the way you broke it. I, that's been crossing my mind as well, what I think they'll do with that. Um, a corner, obviously, I, I, we should go defense first, period. I think we go linebacker, and I think we stay at the 32 spot, actually. I think we're uh, going to stay stagnant. I know it sounds, me personally, I would probably draft back or trade back, but uh, – and I, I think the Chiefs, there's a higher chance that they do that. But I think, just for me personally, I'm going to stay stagnant with uh, them keeping the 32nd pick and taking the best defensive. I think there's going to be a lot of good, because this is a very offensive-heavy draft early. I think there's going to be a lot of wide receivers flying off. I think everybody wants a piece of one of those elite wide receiver talents. I don't think there's going to be a lot. I mean, there's so many wide receiver talents. There's going to be guys still in the second round that are really good still, because it's so deep. 
Um, but I think there's going to be some really good linebackers sitting there towards the bottom of the first round. And I think we're going to nab one of those guys. And that's, that's what I want personally. So that's what I'm going to stick with. Just nice. my own personal biased opinion, what I would want. Um, yeah, it was between corner and, and linebacker, but I really think I, like I've been bugging you and telling you about it. I want a homegrown linebacker, you know, a guy that's kind of like a, a, a versatile guy that can, you know, get, get and you know, stuff the run, but also jump out in coverage and, and be that versatile linebacker that we haven't had for a while. So that's what I'm, I'm right. thinking we're going to do. And for me, uh, I, I, I do have the Chiefs selecting also in pick 32, but but mine's going to be a little different than you guys. I'm going to go running back and pick 32 hmm. for the simple fact that we we don't know what uh, Daryl Williams has anymore. Like, we don't know what he has left. We Damian Williams, is he a one-trick pony? You know, like, yes, he's great in the playoffs. There's two, two, previous, two previous seasons with the playoffs. Hmm. He's been phenomenal. But but at the end of the day, like I I would I would like for the Chiefs to have that that durable you know, that, that durable running back yeah. that, that can make those blocks for Patrick Mahomes because we've seen Patrick Mahomes just getting eaten alive back there. He has to make those you know extended plays and stuff like that. But so I want a running back that can actually make those blocks, can make those uh, check down plays, can make those three and ones, four and ones. You know, and start 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 doing that because. We saw last season the Chiefs were were lacking that they they just didn't want to do it and like they they didn't. You can argue that offensive line wasn't the great the greatest, but at the mm-hmm. same, if you had a little bit of talent back there, you know, like uh, I would say a first round talent running back, I, I think you can increase those plays. And and to me, I'm I'm just, I'm gonna have to go running back. Yeah, I think right. there's gonna be a lot of running back talent even leaking leaking into the second this, round. The second for yes. sure. Yes, there's not. It's not a running back heavy uh, draft. I don't think, but. Like guys like Swift and guys, you know that I think Swift would be a great fit for this this offense. And, but yeah, and barring injuries, you know we we saw Damian get a little hurt last, last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, durability is big. Darryl Williams. I'd be shocked if a running back gets taken in the first round at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, we, I would be shocked. The last few years, running backs have there's only been like yeah. two in the last four or five years yeah. have been taken in the first round. They're, they're just they're not what they used to be as far as draft. And capital. like Trevor, uh, to Trevor's point last week, you know, like or into to you, to you that this Chiefs the this year the Chiefs can just. Best Take, player available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't have to worry about oh, we're gonna draft a running back so early. Yeah, they they really don't because they're drafting whoever's highest on their exactly. draft board. Yeah, exactly. At the sixty third overall pick, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I, th- this was the position I wanted to go in the first round, but because of the fact that I don't think that there's gonna be those top tier guys at this position at thirty two, therefore the Chiefs are gonna trade out. Yeah, um, I am expecting the Chiefs with the sixty third overall pick in the second round to go linebacker. This is the position, like I said, I really want the Chiefs to attack because if this team has really any need at all, it is weak side linebacker to to fulfill that position next to Anthony Hitchens mm-hmm. because they do not have that guy right Rad- now. On yeah, Raglan's gone. It's just it's just not there. They've tried to throw bodies at it for years now, and they just have not had that guy. Right. I with a top sixty five pick, you can get value at the linebacker position. And I've talked to our guys at Arrowhead Pride. I talked to Kent Swanson this week, and I asked him, I was like, "Am I crazy?" He goes, "No, that's actually the perfect place to go and find value at linebacker because of the fact that he doesn't anticipate, and they don't anticipate at Arrowhead Pride that." There will be, like I said, a top tier running uh, linebacker at 32, and between that and the 40s. So mm-hmm. I'm going to trust them on that and say that the Chiefs go linebacker at 63 overall, give themselves a, a, an opportunity to really fill that defense. Because, like I said, this team, and like you just alluded to, Eddie, they do not have a lot of needs, if any, right now. But they're going to need to get if any if there's any position that needed help. It's clearly middle linebacker, outside linebacker, uh, Mike linebacker, those positions to fill that weak side. It has They have to answer that. Yeah. 
Um, I'm actually going. I'm going to go offensive guard here. Um, I think we're going to. I think we're going to go with a. Because also another position that's really going to leak into the later rounds with a lot of talent is the interior offensive line, and that to me, outside of linebacker, is our biggest need. Uh, linebacker, in my mind, was our biggest need. And I, I, with us bringing Rashad Breeland back, that helps our 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 cornerback room a lot bringing that continuity back and still having, you know, Rashawn, guys like Rashawn Fenton, who I think is a growing talent who showed out even in the Super Bowl, um, I think is a solid player and is going to be even better this year. And then guys like uh, uh, Juan Thornhill, who, who can also, you know, be that uh, uh, Tyrone Matthew-esque kind of guy who can drop down and play corner or play in the slot. The, having two safeties that can do that helps the cornerbacks, obviously, because yeah. they can do, they can play that. They're, vers- they're versatile. So I think we're going to go and add more protection for Patrick Mahomes here in this next pick. Um and I'm all for it. that's actually what exactly what I want to happen. Um, going linebacker, filling the filling the two needs that we need the most first with the highest guy that we have on our draft board at those positions. Uh, for me on uh, this uh, pick sixty three, I'm gonna. Ha- I, it, it was uh, 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 what 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 do I want? Pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah. you know. We can we can be a little selfish. Exactly. With this draft. I like exactly. that. I like that <laughs> exactly. You know? So. If for me, it was between either corner or linebacker, and, and, and I decided to go to corner uh, because I, I think with, with Kendall Fuller leaving uh, to, to go to Washington and, and knowing how our corners were, you know, like we're not the best. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't struggling, but, you know, a little bit of help would not hurt. So I, I, with him gone and, you know, bringing the uh, brilliant uh, Bershot Breeland back yeah, and stuff like that. that's huge. But you – Charveris Ward, I still don't know what he he really is. Like it's it, it's still you know it's still fifty fifty for me on on Charveris Ward. Like what is he real? Is he the real deal, mm-hmm. or did he just had that one season? You know, because we all I saw the Seahawks game about was it two years ago and how Russell Wilson was just making him his bitch. Yeah, well he fell off Brashad a lot too, which exactly. which is why yeah. it's big to bring Brashad yeah, back. So yeah. bringing corner here, I. I I, I wouldn't mind it at all, you know, bringing that help and, you know, bring it a, a second round. It's a, it's a good pick, bring, yeah. bringing a good, good talent into that corner position, helping the safeties. I don't know how healthy uh, Juan Thornhill is going to be back. So, you know, bringing that little bit of help to where he doesn't have to do as much, mm-hmm. you know, so that's yeah. where my pick's going to okay. go. For sure, man. Uh, with the third round pick that they got in the trade, me predicting they trade back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, look, I imagine it's going to be between you know the late '80s, early '90s is where that's that position that pick's going to land. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Chiefs go wide receiver. I do. Uh, we had Craig Stout on our show last week, and I asked him, "Would it be crazy to you, Craig, if the Chiefs not only take a wide receiver in this draft, but uh, take a take a wide receiver fairly early, particularly in the top 100 picks?" And he, I don't want to quote him, but you can go play it back from last week, episode fifty nine. He says, yep. "Not at all. It's not crazy at all. In fact, he's anticipating it. He, they, everybody at Arrowhead Pride has pretty much acknowledged the fact that even though this team is pretty much loaded at wide receiver, mm-hmm. they are not loaded long term at wide receiver. So therefore, they're going to need to get a guy at that position. I think the Chiefs pulled the trigger in the third man. I, I think the Chiefs they don't currently need it." But as we've discussed over the last couple of shows, this isn't a, a there's not a lot of needs, man. So they can afford to take the best player available. And with this again being a wide receiver rich draft and Sammy Watkins need, not being the long term answer, I fully expect the Chiefs to take a guy not only a wide receiver but in particular, this is my wish: mm-hmm. they get a guy who can beat the press man coverage, get a physical wide receiver, a guy who's a little bit on the bigger side. I know Andy loves his small, quick, elusive wide receivers, and I won't be upset if he gets another guy like that. But with Tyreek Hill. With McCole Hardman, with Demarcus Robinson already being those guys, mm-hmm. 
I have to think that Andy Reid's going to stockpile on the more physical side of the wide receiver position and get him a guy in the middle of the third round that's going to give him value, a significant value. You can use him in special teams. You can use him for those deep corner routes, things of that nature. Mm. Get yourself a guy who can beat press man coverage, making Sammy Watkins' job even that much easier this year and just kind of work these guys in because if you noticed anything of the last couple of years, the Chiefs have so many weapons that there's really no pressure on any one player. Even Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Yes, those are your those are your primary dogs, but those guys even in themselves find themselves open so much in this offense, in this scheme with the talent around them. You add another talented physical receiver to this offense, it's literally going to be as close to unstoppable as you have ever seen it in, in the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to echo those sentiments. Same. Uh, I agree with you 100%. That's where I'm going with my 90s. I don't have the – I don't have – Spoiler alert, I don't have the Chiefs actually trading any picks at all in this draft. I have them staying right where they're at and just going with the flow. Uh, I, I think they're confident moving into this draft with the picks that they have. So with the 96 pick, I, I do believe we're going to go wide receiver because there's so much depth. Um, I think they're, I think towards – I think the trend is going to be – I'm just guessing what this, a lot of things going to happen. There's going to be a lot of offensive players taken in the top, obviously quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, but with the early run on wide receivers, there's still going to be a lot of – good depth of wide receiver uh, players leaking into those later third round. So I think I def- I'm with you. Like I said, um, I'm actually with you exactly what you said about having finding that prototypical receiver that can beat the press, another bigger, stronger, you know, big body guy, um, maybe a taller guy too. Cause we don't have like that really tall, like go get it like an AJ green prototypical kind of guy. Um, so I think that we're going to be looking for that. And I, I trust Veach and Andy Reed, obviously to find, the those hidden gems in the later rounds and and obviously they have an eye for offensive weapons uh whether it's a running back or wide receiver so i i michael harman was obviously a steal um where we got him uh so yeah i definitely i i'm with you on the wide receiver there i definitely think we're gonna go uh with the guy that can beat the press a strong uh good-handed receiver uh i don't know know about names i don't know who's gonna be i can't really guess who's gonna be sitting there um that's what the, the draft guy from you know arrowhead prides for uh, so go check that out. They'll they'll have all that broken down for you. But yeah, wide receivers for me as well. Right for me, it was it, it's linebacker, uh, and, and there's not much for me to add than what yeah. y'all guys already talked about earlier about with linebackers and how how that that is a position of need that the Chiefs. I mean, you can potentially say that it's a need that the mm-hmm. Chiefs have there. So I mean. Yeah, I'll just stay with what you guys said. Fair enough. About yeah. uh, at the 96 pick, uh, this is not going to be fun or exciting, but definitely necessary. Uh, Trevor kind of jumped me a couple rounds on this one, but I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with this one. Um, the Chiefs need offensive line help. There's no question about it. Uh, mm. they, their offensive Interior, line, is, yep. their offensive line isn't terrible by any means. It's it's a good offensive line in totality, but this team, especially up front, could get much better. Like Trevor said, in the interior, this offensive line has to get better. I mean, you can factor in the fact, like we talked about in the Eddie Hour, you know, uh, Schwartz and and, and Fisher, their contracts are coming up. So if you want to go and draft yourself a swing tackle, I wouldn't be necessarily upset with that because, again, team's deep. You can afford to take that type of risk, especially in the 96 overall pick. Mm -hmm. You can get yourself a swing tackle, get yourself some depth at the offensive line in case one of those guys were to go down. Like Eric Fisher, we missed him for several games last season. He had Interstate 75 there, like I said earlier. (laughs) You can have yourself a good, reliable tackle that you can utilize on either side. Um, With with, uh, Duvernay Tardif also being a little pricey, 
I think that there's a chance you could see him maybe get traded or moved, maybe cut. I don't. Th- I don't think yeah. it's gonna be cut, but I definitely think if the Chiefs move on from him, you could see the Chiefs taking themselves a guard, uh, a guy that plays both center and the guard position. My gut, my gut says they'll go guard or center uh, for the immediate, immediate contribution, but wouldn't be shocked, like I said, if they go tackle. But either way. In the top 100, they're going to take offensive line, and I think that's what they do on the 96 pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, so obviously I'm on the fourth round pick because I had them staying pat with all their picks uh, in, in the order that they're in. Uh, with the 138th pick, I have them then going after a corner. Um, I, I I trust Veach. I tr- finding guys like Fenton and these guys in the later rounds that I think could be solid players, and just adding, like I said, with our safety players that that are versatile that can play. Uh, I just I love that room right now. I love that corner room. I love that they have another year to grow together off of what you know they almost overachieved in a sense last year, how they ended the season and then obviously went in the Super Bowl. So I love that energy that that, that, that any young late round guy have getting an opportunity to come into this this cornerback room, this safety room. Um, I think they're going to find another versatile type guy like that that can play safety as well to also not just play corner but uh, uh, well, similar uh, um, position as uh, Fuller did. So they're going to they're try to find that kind of guy because I think, you know, Andy Reid likes his Swiss Army type guys. You know, his Daniel Sorensen's, his Fuller's, his, you know, obviously, you know, our safeties all can play both positions and coverage. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they're going to find a, a younger, or not a, obviously a younger, but a, a guy that's in the later rounds that can come in and fill, uh, just add good depth and compete, you know, in camp and compete for that, uh, for, you know, a good spot in this, this, this cornerback uh, room. So I got cornerback. And for me, same as Trevor, I'm on the fourth round pick. I, I didn't have I didn't have them trading any picks this this draft. And for the, for this pick, I went wide receiver. Being uh, being a, a a wide receiver heavy draft, I, I didn't think it was a necessity to go into like the first rounds going in, into him getting a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think you can still get a, a a pretty decent talent in the fourth uh, late in the fourth round. So I don't think it was something that they had to you know get in the in the early rounds. I'm sure they'll they'll still find uh, a a really good player out here. You know, they can just come in and be your, you know, your last option if you wanted to be. You know, just adding death into that position. And and like you said, they, they don't have anything long term. Uh, with Sammy Watkins, I think there's only one year left. And so so adding a rookie, it'll be a a a, a great thing. You know, so yeah. that that's where my pick goes. Um, at 138, I, I have the Chiefs not ign- not ignoring a position that I think is going under. Uh, the radar a little bit uh, is edge rush. Hmm. I, I do believe that regardless of what happens with Chris Jones, the Chiefs should take the pass rush seriously in that draft, and and they can absolutely find promise in the top 150 picks. Uh, as Trevor has mentioned earlier, uh, I do believe in the first round you're going to see a ton of offensive players come off the board quick, and hmm. it's going to be primarily wide receiver and quarterback. Naturally expected. A lot of the teams up in the top 15 need those need positions. Yep. Yeah. So I definitely expect that there are going to be some guys that are undervalued falling further back into the draft, but not too far. And I think the Chiefs realize that. And I think that they absolutely need a guy that's this might sound crazy, but I think they're gonna they're gonna get a guy at this position at edge rush that's a little bit more on the talented side as a part as opposed to sharp player, if that makes sense. If you look at Tano Passanio as an example. Not by any means a great player, mm-hmm. but you saw in 2019 he really came in his own. He he really came to to being what he is now as, as a as a, a solid contributor. 
That's what they need. They need a guy like Tano Passigno to just add that depth. And at this position, and and the top one, like you're talking 135 to 150, you're looking for depth guys. You're not looking for superstars. If you land them, that's great. Yeah. If the Chiefs can go land themselves a, an elite pass rusher, like in the next Julius Peppers in the fourth round, sign me the hell up. <laughs> but more than likely and more realistically, they're going to have to get a guy like basically the next Tano Passigno. You put another guy with that kind of talent, that kind of body frame, I think it's going to be more. He's going to be more on the ch- on the chunkier side. Spagnuolo mm. likes his defensive lineman guys. Guys are going after the quarterback to be a little bit bigger mm. than a John Dorsey. John Dorsey like those six five, six six guys. Mm-hmm. This is going to be more of a compact, big body type of guy that can help with the edge rush and stop the run game. Yeah. I think that's the kind of guy they go after at one thirty eight. Yeah, I, I I love it, man. I I have them topping off or ending the the draft with uh, grabbing defensive line depth uh with the defensive end uh i think i think there's i know it's pick 177 but i think there's gonna be i think that's gonna be one of the positions that's gonna be really overlooked and there's gonna be a lot of dra- uh, depth leaking in and i again uh i know we got Braylon speaks lingering somewhere in kansas city so i think they're gonna they're gonna draft somebody towards the end to maybe you know obviously take his spot because i don't know even if I, I don't know what his existence even is with this franchise right now or this uh organization so uh, i think they're gonna with uh, Anza and and, and uh, um, Okafor gone. I think with both those guys absent now, we're gonna need more depth. And we that's that that was a luxury last year because we had so much depth. And then when those guys went down, we we're like it was a, kind of an oh shit moment. But then we realized, you know, uh, with uh, Naughty and and uh, um, um, Pinnell definitely showing up. You know, so having those guys, we know who those guys are right now. Being the, like you said, this the typical Spags type, prototypical guy, the short, stocky, run stuff and t- tough, hole filling type guys. I think going to add another guy, like you said, like that. Um, that's going to add depth, you know, just in case one of those guys goes down, because chances are one of them is going to go down or miss a little bit of time, because that's obviously a tough position to to, to be as consistently healthy in. Um, so yeah, adding depth to the defensive end, interior defensive line uh, is going to be the way they go in uh, in the, the draft. Okay, for my last pick in the 2020 draft, it, it, I'm, I'm going to go offensive line. Uh, and you guys did a really good job on touching on those points. Uh, mm. You know, it's not a it's not a need like throughout this whole p- picks. It's not it's not it's not yeah. it's, it's just not a need. I mean, for Christ's sake, Eddie went it, running back first. So exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Josh it, Webb would hate you right now. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a death death kind of kind of mm. kind of draft. So I th- I think adding death and like you said uh, with the, with a the doctor you know, possibly being a, a trade token or, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to cut just like you said, but with him being a possible uh, trade token and stuff like that, you, you can bring in somebody and, you know, somebody like a young guy uh, and, and kind of build him up to, to, to that level, you know, just kind of nurture him into becoming a, a good offensive lineman. So yeah. That, that's where my pick is going to go. That's 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 going to be my 20, last 2020. Eddie, you and I share the same 177 pick. And by the way, uh, congratulations on utilizing properly the medical um, title that LDT does have. Uh, Mr. Doctor, uh, the Canadian doctor. Uh, he, I think he even diagnosed his own leg when he, he snapped at the other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think he's like, no, no, move it this way. Like, <laughs> yes, I, could, I could never imagine, like, having that type of it's cognitive like, oh, awareness to where I could, like, differentiate things and be, you know, and delegate. It's like, mm, there's internal No, no, doctor uh, over here, snap it that way. You know, I just couldn't, I'd be over there crying. Ah, ah, you know, I'd be that, that, that it's like, I, okay, I got it. It'd just be bad, yeah. Uh, but no, and, and with the 177 pick, I, I have the Chiefs finishing up the draft, like I said, with an offensive lineman. Look, we have to understand something. 
Patrick Mahomes is not only just the great player that he is, and he is nimble in the pocket, so obviously offensive line oftentimes gets overlooked in Kansas City. We have to also look at Patrick Mahomes as an investment. Yep. You want to build a dynasty. The Chiefs are about to not – yeah, they're not only embarking as a dynasty, a potential dynasty, they're about to invest money we've never seen a player in the history of this game make. Yep. So I would hope that the Chiefs – Take it as seriously as we do when it comes to offensive line. Cause I think we, unless Trevor, I don't think you, I think you had one offensive lineman. Eddie and yeah. I both got two offensive linemen in the strategy. That was my, that second, right? my so second. You got one. Second round pick was offensive line. Okay. So you, you took guard. it. Yeah. You took yeah. it quick and effective. Yeah. Eddie, you acknowledged it. I want one of the You and I both acknowledged ones, it. Yeah. I have two. I think the Chiefs go offensive line. You talk about depth. I think yes. if you want to, you, you know, use this in pun sense, it's depth row when it comes to this draft for the Chiefs. It's depth row. Because this team right. does right. not have a lack of superstars. You got to protect the superstars. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the number one superstar on this roster. That's Patrick Mahomes. I think the Chiefs not only not only and I, I know this is a free agent thing, but I don't I not only think they go and get two guys in this draft, but I do think that during training camp, you're gonna hear about them start to sign offensive linemen that we don't know. They're just gonna do they're gonna throw as many bodies in there and make this a real competition. I think that the ta- the tackles are safe. Well you already got one. Yeah. Rimmer. It, yeah, Rimmer's gonna yeah. Rimmer's gonna be a body. He, right now he's a jag. I think yeah. he's just a guy right now. He's a camp fan. body. Yeah. But they're I, I guarantee you you're gonna see the Chiefs start to bring guys into training camp. You have no idea who these guys are just to give them an opportunity to really give themselves a chance to put together the best fortitude, the best offensive line for Patrick Mahomes where he can work inside the pocket. He's obviously going to run around. Yeah. He's obviously going to make his magic like he loves to do and he's known to do. And we learned the hard way last year. But we ne- yes, we need to give him as much time and protection in that offensive line. We talk about it all the time about could you imagine Patrick Mahomes with that 2003 offense, right. offensive line? Right. Guys, they had to put it together somehow. I'm not saying you can replicate 2003, but if you can get 65, 70% of the 2003 offensive line, Patrick Mahomes is going to be sipping tea doing his taxes back there. So trust me when I say the Chiefs are going to take the offensive line very seriously in this draft, yeah. especially with the fact that, like I said, they can just pick whoever they want. And I don't think a lot of Chiefs fans are really going to combat them this time around. This is one of those easy going off season, man. They buy time with the Super Bowl, but more than that, they have one of the best, if not the best roster in the NFL with the best best head coach with the best quarterback go and get the guys you want not so much the guys you need absolutely so we're gonna leave it there we're gonna go to right we're gonna right way right to the monday mailbag wasteland society an apparel brand inspired by the underground, the weird, the youth, post-punk, 80s and 90s pop culture, and the idea of living life on the opposite end of the spectrum to the fullest. Hand-printed in Kansas City using an eco-friendly printing process on sweatshop-free garments that are ethically made in the USA. Find them. We are Wasteland Society on Instagram. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself. We have, we do this every single week, and I I don't want to say this is my favorite segment. It's not. Yeah. I'm just being real with you guys. No, nothing, no, no offense to anybody. It's fun. This is a great segment, though, because like I said, it's an opportunity for us to really engage with you guys directly. Yeah. We always appreciate all the contributions. We have our regulars now. Uh, we can pretty much call them by first name basis at this point. We're not going to because we're going to give you their full names, obviously, because yeah. if they piss you off, you can just find them on Facebook. But... 
we, like I said, this is your time. This is your opportunity to give us what you guys want to talk about, giving us an opportunity to defeat, like I said, give you back what it is you guys want us to touch on. So, Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week, my dudes? All right. First question is from none other than uh, Billy Hodge. Billy. We should start doing like a – a bet like who's the first off the Vegas? top? Is it like oh. Billy Hodge? Is it Donnie Couch? Hey. Ruben Martinez? Hey. Like we got to start like really giving these guys some credit here, man. Off the top, so it's Casey Billy this Billy. week, yeah, Mister Billy, Mister yeah, yeah. Mister yeah. Billy Hodge was the one that that won this week, and he says, "Yo, yo, yo, welcome back, Eddie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you. Th- thanks, Bill. I really appreciate <laughs> you, it. You made my day. He, you know what's gonna happen <laughs> when we start breaking down the show? Eddie's just gonna be over sitting there like rubbing his nipples because he's so happy with <laughs> himself. Did you guys hear that? Thanks, Billy." Appreciate you. <laughs> All right. His question is: The Chiefs are over ninety percent. Uh, the Chiefs have over ninety percent of their team coming back after winning the Super Bowl. When was the last time that has happened, and did they repeat? Um, the last time I actually looked this up, it wasn't the exact same amount of players. I think it was nineteen of twenty-two starters. This is the two thousand four Patriots, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Two thousand one, or was it? I think it was two thousand threes to two thousand four. No, yeah, I think you're right. And they they did they did uh, win back to back championships. Yeah. They retained almost was it almost ninety oh, percent yeah. of their team, and they they did repeat from two thousand three to two thousand four. So that's the last time I could find any information about a team retaining that many players yeah. from the uh, team from the previous season. So it it does not happen happen often, especially. Uh, in the free agency era, which I think started in the 1980s, early 1980s is when free agency really started to begin in the NFL mm-hmm. level. Um, back, obviously, before free agency began, you had teams stay together for a long period of time. Um, but as now far as repeating, yeah. Yeah, but as far as repeating, yeah, it's, it's, it's very rare that that happens, and it's very rare what we're seeing. That's why I try to tell Chiefs fans all the time, this is, a, this is the time for you. If you're ever excited as a Chiefs fan, this is it. That Super Bowl was great, and you should absolutely – relish in that and, and 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 embrace it fully and love it and cherish it for everything that it is. But that was just the beginning. And the team is showing you that they're showing you that this is just chapter one. They lick their finger and flip the page. That's literally what they're doing in this off season. Be excited. Chiefs fans. Yeah. I don't have much to add to that. That's, Pretty much answer the question. Sexy. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> sexy. Okay. Yeah. Don't start rubbing your nipples yet, Eddie. Wait till we're done. Damn it. <laughs> the butter is melting. All right. Next question comes from Johnny Cow. Yes. <laughs> Keeping it rolling. Yes, the regulars. Sir. Okay. He says, "Hey guys, your look, your local toothpaste, toothpaste enthusiast here. <laughs> Once again, welcome." <laughs> he says, "I have a, I have a question and some bad news. The bad news is Dr. Pepper's getting scars down here, and I'm getting a little low on supplies. The question I have is, who in your mind is the next defensive coordinator if Sticks Bagnola leaves after we repeat next year?" And he goes on to give his own pick. Yeah, go ahead. And he says, "I'm leaning towards Brendan Daly." Look, man. Before I even knew who Brendan Daly was, I was hearing about him from Kent Swanson. Kent Swanson was telling me this is a an incredible addition. Mm. I started doing some research on the guy. They even did a special on him on NFL Network. I watched this thing. This this man runs like sixty miles a week. The guy's awesome. He's dude. an absolute freak, yeah. like physically. Dude keeps himself in insane him and shape. What's his name from the 49ers, too? Yes. Uh, oh god. Uh, now, I always I always he say looks his like name the, the god from three hundred. Yeah, I yeah, forget yeah. his name every time. He looks like a Greek god. Yeah. For sure. Um. But, but, but back to Brendan Daly. He's had so many jobs already in the NFL, and it's it's weird because everybody knows who this guy is. Yet he hasn't gotten that DC yeah. job yet. I say yet. Because I do believe it's going to happen. Yeah. And man, I don't know how long Steve Spagnuolo is going to stay in Kansas City, whether he decides to retire or he gets himself a head coaching job again, which 
Both are very possible. Or yeah. he just decides to stay in Kansas City for the next couple of years. Yeah. But let's say Steve Spagnola is gone. My guy, Donnie Couch, has nailed it. That is the guy I absolutely want to have in Kansas no City because of familiarity, because of the fact that I think this guy has what it takes to be a legitimate, not just a defensive coordinator, a legitimate defensive coordinator yeah. in this league. So that's, hey, you know what, Donnie? I second that. 100% believe that is the man for the job. Yeah, Brendan Daly would definitely be the guy. Uh, I don't think Spags is going to leave. I don't think he wants to be a head coach again. I know I say that. The money, obviously money is a, is the biggest factor there. Um, but I think he's been there. He's done that. I just think he is comfortable. I think, and especially if winning continues, that's going to be, I mean, it's a, that's a pud job. That's a great position to be in and being by one of his best friends, Andy Reid, the guy he's known for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, like I said, winning is everything. And if he's, I think Spag is going to be here for a while. I think he's going to finish his career here. Uh, I think comfortability, continuity, consistency, all those things factor in. And I think Spags, but like, and if anything did happen to Spags and he did decide to, if that, hypothetical actually comes to play comes to to play here and in reality i think i think brandon daly would be the perfect guy. i love his energy like you said he always is running up and down the stairs they, they showed him on the uh, during the the promo and the video and the, during the playoffs um he, his energy is great man he's he's his resume is great he's been around a lot of great uh head coaches coaches in general a lot of really good staffs so i think his his uh his expertise is the perfect fit if, if anything does happen to spags do you think spags leaves when andy leaves? Man, it's it's so hard to project that just because I, I don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're it. they're about the same age. I think actually Andy's like a year or two older than Spags. Um, I don't. It really depends on how it goes. As far as if the defense starts to slump over the next three seasons progressively, I could mm. see Steve Spagnuolo standing stepping down. I don't think that Andy goes well since Steve is you know since yeah. Spags is closing is closing shop. I'll do the same. No, uh, I, to answer the question bluntly, no, I don't think they go out at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I just, but I do think them if they win a couple more Super Bowls, riding on the sunset wouldn't be a bad way to go either. Yeah, you know, so I they can hold, like, go walk hand in hand in the sunset. Well, and that'd be Spags has what three? I believe three, three championships Super- right now. Yeah, yeah he had so two he with the Giants out, and one with the ends Chiefs. His career with like five Super Bowls. I mean, <laughs> right. you're talking Hall of Fame almost right there. Yeah, man. absolutely. So yeah, it'd be cool. All right, and we got uh, two more questions. Our next question is from uh, Ruben Martinez. I'm telling you, man, it's just like Ruben. Ruben. We get the same guys in our diner every single week, man. It's yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. You guys having the regular? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, his is as follows. Where do you see this team in five years? When Kelsey's gone and Tyreek might be gone uh, and Sammy gone and both tackles are gone, what do you think Beach's uh, five-year plan is? How old is Patrick Mahomes right now? 24? Yeah. He'll be 29? Be peaking at that time. Chiefs will be just fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's the short answer. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to do that to my guy Ruben. <laughs> to answer this in a little bit more of a stretched version, um, I'm going to be totally honest, Ruben. I have no freaking clue where they'll be in five years because if we know anything about the NFL and sports in general, in particular with the NFL, the way that teams constantly are changing, I have no idea. <laughs> I do know that. I do know this. I, I feel very confident that Patrick Mahomes is going to be our quarterback who's just going to be entering his prime at that point, which is terrifying for the rest of the league, mm. that in five years he'll just be getting to his best and his peak. Um, and I do expect that – I do expect Andy Reid to still be here in five years. I, I do. I know that sounds nuts right now because he's 62. He'll be 67 at that time. But if you look at uh, uh, Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, guys that are uh, – even Bruce Arians, all are older than Andy Reid at this point and still have no uh, – I don't think there's any belief either of those guys, any of those guys are going to be retiring anytime soon in the next couple of years. So right. those guys will be coaching into their seventies. 
I think Andy Reid can be flirting with that as well. So the reason I'm saying all that is because I do believe if you still have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in place and in tandem, Mm -hmm. this team's going to be fine. I'm not saying that they're going to be heavily touted Super Bowl favorites still. They could still have a lot of growing pains and trying to have to rebuild that team around Patrick Mahomes. Who knows? Because Travis Kelsey will be 35 at that time. Tyreek Hill will be in his 30s at that time. This team will be very, very different at that point. So to answer your question, I don't know, but I do know it will be different in a lot of ways, but in some ways it will be still very similar with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in my opinion. Yeah. As long as Patrick Mahomes is here and he's healthy, he's walking on both legs, I can only imagine I can only imagine what in five years how slow the game, how easy the game is going to come to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we're already seeing him develop within, you know, just his two years of, of, of starting, how much he's he even talked about it on the shop uh, on HBO on LeBron James show, talking about how he's still this this season was still learning how to read defenses. In five years, can you imagine how well Patrick Mahomes is going to be reading defenses and his 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 IQ of the game, let alone his intangibles, which is what makes him great. But add add the IQ to the intangibles, we're going to be fine. Not only regarding the five year plan, we're not going to need a five year plan because as long as Patrick Mahomes is playing here, just like we saw with Brady, just like we saw with Manning and Drew Brees and all these other greats, players are going to want to come play for Patrick Mahomes. Just like Randy, the Randy Mosses wanted to go play with Tom Brady and make a run for a Super Bowl. We're going to have that. We have Des Bryant want to come out of retirement to come play with Patrick Mahomes. So Don't say that. Ken Swanson's all like excited. I, I, no, no. I know. I, He's going to write another a, freaking a, article. the deuce real quick. I'm Ken's going to write another damn article about Des Bryant. <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Shout out, Ken. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, By I'm, Casey Draft. We're going to have guys like that want to make a run and come play on the cheap. Defensively, too, because everybody wants a ring. Everybody wants to have success. I know money is the biggest draw as far as professional sports for most guys, but having the money and guys that have you know played most of their years yet, they, but they don't have a ring. There's going to be a lot of those guys. I think starting this off season and these next couple off seasons coming up before there's even a five year plan, wanting to come to Kansas City and play with Patrick Mahomes. So the five next five years look bright for me, as far as I see it. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Uh, last question for you guys comes from oh, Donnie Couch. Hey. Yeah, he Mikey Myers himself. <laughs> and he's like, and he says, and I also would like to ask one more question. Well, here it is. What other Chiefs team would you have liked to have won the Super Bowl other than obviously Pat's first year? Which team? Um this this is a it, it is easy, but at the same time there's another one. I I'll, I'll from the top rope I'll say the 2003 Chiefs. Uh, that was at that time the single most exciting Chiefs team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, just how complete they were on the offensive side. Um, Dick Vermeil was such. I loved Dick Vermeil so much, man. He was such a great coach. Uh, shut the hell up, Eddie. I know what you're <laughs> thinking over there. I liked Richard. Richard Vermeil was a great Old coach. Dick was a good guy. I love Dick. You know, you no, know, he was just he was he was like that. He felt like your grandpa. Like you just like you. He always cried yeah. on the sidelines. The yeah. players loved him. Yeah. The team. It was like a feel good story because Vermeil came out of retirement. Trent Green was this castaway quarterback. Pre-trade. And, yeah, Priest Holmes was a castaway running back. You know, you just you, there was so many cool stories. Eddie Kinnison was this unknown guy, and then they became this. You get Willie Rofe and free agency from the Saints. It, it, it was just cool, man. And and it just, it just really sucks that the defense couldn't string together enough to get them out of a freaking game where they didn't punt. They didn't punt against the Colts and lost. Uh, it was so heartbreaking. A uh, runner up, it would it would be um my my boy Shaggy Shane's going to kill me right now and I'm so sorry in advance my guy. Uh, I believe it was the 95 
uh, Chiefs, where they lost in the field goals yep. with Lynn Elliott. Uh, I could be again. I could be wrong. My my my, my dates are all mixed the up. Game. But it was. It, I mean, my God, that team, that defense was so amazing. The quarterback situation was extremely frustrating with Bono. But still, to know that that team was that close and missing all those field goals, you were that close to it. I, I would have loved to have seen that story ended a little bit differently as well. I know the Joe Montana stuff was fun and everything like that. We all knew that was going to be very short lived. Uh, but if, if I had to single out one vote, it's 2003. Yeah, for me, definitely it's 2003. Anything to get my guy Tony G a ring. Um, that was one of the best offenses in Chiefs history. Obviously, that's overshadowed by what we got now. Um, but that was such a fun team, electrifying offense. Just so many pieces flying all over the place. Obviously, the best tight end in the game at that time and one of the best ever, if not the best. Uh, my guy Tony G, I would have loved to have celebrated and seen a big fat ring on that guy's hand Uh let alone you know pre- the likes of Priest Holmes and Trent Green, who's a great guy. That was just a fun team, uh, one of the best O-lines of all time. A lot of those Hall of Famers that are in the Hall of Fame without a ring, I can only imagine you know how much they can look back on their career with you know with great joy uh, with a ring on top of all that. Um, so, yeah, 2003, no doubt. And not to mention that was a record-setting year for Dante Hall, too, with the kick returns, yeah. consecutive kick returns. That returns. Denver one was insane. I mean, the dude was on Same. Letterman, for Christ's yeah. sake. Like, yeah. Dante Hall was on Letterman yeah. because of what he was doing. Wow, so, I forgot about that. Yeah, man, it, it was just a fun year. Uh, yeah. It really reinvigorated me as a, as a young Chiefs fan oh, yeah. because those late 90s and early 2000s were rough. Those were rough, it was man. either, yeah, bad, bad offense, good defense, or bad yeah. defense, good offense. So, yeah. Good questions, man. That's a good question. That is it for uh, today's Monday Mailbag. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, we post this every Monday. If you guys ever want to participate, feel free. Give us whatever you guys got, whether it's on Facebook, on our Facebook group, or on uh, Twitter at The Spoken Pod. You guys can definitely hit us up on there as well. Just give us what you got, man. We love doing this. We love taking the time to interact with you guys. We always, always appreciate it. Become one of our regulars. It'd be awesome. Yeah. In the meantime, we got a new segment coming up. Well, not a new one, but it's new tonight. What's it called again, guys? Hold this L! I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Hold this L. I love this. I love this segment, man, because we get to kind of step out a little bit of the norm and uh, pick on people a little bit. Not in a bad way, but just kind of, you know, have a little bit of a laugh to finish off the show. So, Eddie, without further ado, out there in Coachella, in the ghost town of Nochella, who is holding the L, Eddie, besides yourself? <laughs> well, besides myself, I'm going to have to give it to a NASCAR driver or mm. former NASCAR driver, uh, Kyle Larson. He was, fur- he was furloughed. He was furloughed. Yeah. No, he was actually. <laughs> he's I no just, longer essential yeah. staff. Yeah, he's no longer essential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he no longer has a job. Yeah, uh, in yeah, other yeah, words, yeah. pretty much. Fired. You're fired. Fired. Hey, fired. 
So if you did not pay attention to uh, the sports world, since there's not many things going on, mm. his story made, made headlines about two, three days ago. He was, uh, he was playing uh, some racing game online with some friends. Mm. And I don't know if he got mad. I don't know what happened. But he blurted out a, a, a word that's really, really offensive. And, you know, saying it, in, you know, just blatantly like that. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to be accepted by anybody. You can't even defend this guy. There's no defending anybody that uses this word, to be honest. Mm. Uh, it's just offensive. His friends automatically knew when he said it. They were like, ah, like they're listening to you live. Yeah, there goes our piggy bank. Damn it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like as soon as that happened, sponsor after sponsor after yeah. sponsor were just dropping and dropping and dropping. And, and you know, like – with all due respect, like he deserved it. Oh yeah, that that was all on his mistake, and he needs to own it. And he owned yeah. up to it, but but it was you know he should never feel comfortable e- saying exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, he felt it, a little he, too comfortable. He sounded too comfortable yeah. saying that. He just said it, you know, like like if he's talking to his friends like that, you know, that's that's just it happens. A lot, that's a no. That's a no go. For, uh, no go for me, Chief. Uh, yeah. So for me, Kyle Larson, you're gonna have to hold, hold this L. L. Well, for mine. There seems to be a little competition going on between these two teams. Uh, uh, so lately, I know we've been all we've all been seeing the uh, a lot of teams trying to rebrand uh, as far as changing you know the changing their jerseys up, whether it's the the, the colorways of the jersey mm-hmm. or the logos. Uh, let's stick on the logos for a second. <laughs> uh, we we talked about a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the here I go with the word obviously. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, we blocked it out by this yeah, point. Yeah. So when you start bleeping it out like it's a cuss word. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, get the drop button ready. Um, no, so we saw the Los Angeles Rams uh, change their logo. <laughs> it's terrific, right? I mean, it's is great. It was a really good choice. Um, it's gonna look really good on hats. Not really. It's it's actually really bad. We know we all know that it's really bad. So uh, the the Colts though, right? The Indianapolis Colts. You know, really, you know, vibrant, uh, loud franchise. You know, known for the the vibrant colors and the and the the lively uniforms. And logos uh, with the horseshoe, you know, and um, they decided to one up the the Los Angeles Rams by making an even shittier logo. <laughs> um, they decided, you know, to go away from the traditional horseshoe, which was fine. You know, I mean, they're the Indianapolis Colts. It's fitting. They decided they put it to make a C. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't know if we can put a graphic up on, on once this, this video is done. Um, but there's it's it's a, a C right for Colts because it starts with a C. And it has the little holes in it for the horseshoe. I see. Yeah, yeah, and it has the the shape of, of the state. It's just. I missed this because I. I oh, look it up, man! It. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I. It makes the Rams logo look so good. Get out of like, here! I'm dead serious. Like oh, dead oh ass, my. bruh. Yeah, it's bad, dude. So I, I, Trevor's got his Timberlands on right now. Yeah, yeah, dead ass. Uh, dead ass. <laughs> so yeah, dude. It's it's. If, if you guys haven't seen it, yet, go definitely take a look at it. I'm not for sure if it's permanent permanent yet. I believe it is, but it's it's horrible. I I don't understand. I don't understand why the Colts are really trying to rebrand right now either. Like what? Uh, with, they mean, don't have a face the of the franchise. It's kind of a trend Some going on in the, the NFL Rivers. right now. Well, I mean, I think I think Tampa Bay's looked okay. Their jerseys look okay. They didn't rebrand the logo, but the jerseys are not bad. I thought it was cool that the Falcons decided yeah. to bring uh, yeah, you the, know, the longest the yard jerseys. No, the Fubu. They're Fubu. Yeah, they're the Fubu <laughs> yeah. jerseys. Do they look straight up? Yeah, Bufu. Uh, 
but yeah, um, those are bad as well. I don't like the you know, the two tone <laughs> stuff going on. It's horrible. But yeah, the Colts logo, man, it is so bad. It just it looked like my my daughter's in first grade. It looked like they let you know the first grade class in Indianapolis just take over. <laughs> You know, no, Scarlett would have done a better job. Yeah, absolutely, Scarlett would have absolutely yeah. done a better Dude, I job. I see that. this. I actually, I can't believe I missed it. It's bad, bro. It, it's like literally a C with like the you know the little holes in the in the cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The horse. It's yeah. It looks like it, like they try to make a C horseshoe type deal with the shape of the state inside of it <laughs> as the C. It's just bad. It's okay. poor. It's I, I can't believe these people are making that much money working for these franchises. <laughs> His front office, and, 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 and they, they see it, and they see it, and they're like, "Yeah, that, yep, good job, <laughs> buddy. Way to go, Toby." No, it's dude. It's, Nike worked on it for two years. So yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm just. It makes me happy that the Chiefs are, you know, keeping their their brand the way it is right now. Um, no, they did change the jerseys. It says Super Bowl champ, you know, L A V. Yes, it does. I love, that's my personal favorite. Change I can't wait to see that banner fall too. Yeah. That banner is going to be falling favorite. here pretty soon. How about too. you guys? But you know. so Indianapolis yeah. Colts, you guys. Uh I don't know what you're doing. You guys have to do me a big favor, though. And hold this out. It's horrible. Horrible logo. If you guys know what's coming up this weekend, it got ex- it got brought up a little bit. It they they brought it in a little bit quicker because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus. Um, not a lot of sports going on right now. Um, there has been a highly anticipated documentary coming out, <laughs> and it know. regards Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And I am absolutely excited about this, and we are going to absolutely dissect every episode of this yes. every single week on the show. I could not be yeah. more excited about this. I am looking forward to this. This is my nostalgia. See, a lot of people know me as a LeBron James fan, which I 100% am. And, yes, LeBron James is the greatest NBA player of all time, and I will combat anybody, Darren Smith, anybody else wants to step into the ring, I'll end it. I promise you I will. Bring it. LeBron is the greatest of all time, but I worshipped, and I mean I worshipped Michael Jordan as a child. I loved Michael Jordan. I had his shoes, had his jerseys, had his posters, watched every single game that was ever on television. I loved Michael Jordan. And this series is going to bring back all that nostalgia. Dude, I cannot, I cannot wait. wait. It's going to – there is literally footage and video that we have never seen. Ever. I like that it's uncut too. Yes. And yeah. they have they have the option to where you can watch the unfiltered so versions. Good, man. Yeah. And, and they have the family versions as well where they bleep things out. But mm. this is going to be great. So you're probably wondering why the hell I'm talking about this right now in the hold this L seg- <laughs> segment. But I already know you're going with this. While this is all going on and it's looking great for Michael Jordan and, and, and this is going to give them a lot of you know exposure and Michael Jordan's going to benefit off this even if people think he's an asshole like he obviously anticipates it to be because he actually <laughs> was back then. Fair warning. Yeah. As it turns out, Michael Jordan has a mansion in Chicago, and that mansion has been on the market since 2012. That's more than eight years. It's a little over eight, nine bedrooms, 19 bath mansion. It was listed first in February of 2012 with a steep price of $29 million that he put it on the market for. 19 After failing to attract any interest for well over a year, Jordan tried to sell the house at an auction in November 2013, but nobody bid at the $13 million minimum. The asking price then dropped from $21 million to $16 million. Six and a half years later, it's still up for the price of $14.9 million. And you would think that any great you know, person out there that has a ton of money that just they just want to throw at a house like this, you would think they would want to get the quote-unquote goat's house. Nope. We're probably going to get to year 23, ironically, before that house ever sells. You can't even so, sell a house. So while this is all going on and we're all having this fun about this documentary series that, once again, I'm very excited about. 
This is going to be an awesome time for sports fans. We need to live this one up because this might be the greatest documentary we've ever seen in sports history because, again, this is talking about one of the most pivotal dynasties in sports history, and it's going to give us some from insights that we've always wondered about. There's going to be things that we've never talked about or we've always theorized on about the Steve Kerr punches, the, the hangover game. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the flu game. Yeah. There's several different conspiracies that this is going to answer about Pippen and Michael's relationship, the whole Dennis Rodman it's side early of things. retirement. Tons of yes, yeah, tons of information. That's all fun. Yeah. <laughs> this guy has a house he's been trying to sell for eight damn years, man. That's terrible. Drop the damn price, Michael. Drop your damn pride. Understand good and well that no one wants a house that has 23s all across it. Literally, you can look at the article. I'll send you guys it. It's on SA.com. They literally talk about how the house. They had they showed it on cribs. It's fifty six thousand square feet, nine bedrooms, nineteen bathrooms. Fifteen of them are full bathrooms. The amenities include a full size basketball court, a putting green, and a cigar lounge. And he can't sell this thing. Nineteen bathrooms. That's a lot of toilet paper. Nineteen ba- Yeah, he's probably got all of it. Like you remember the lady that <laughs> stock- it. stockpiled all of it at that store and they videotaped it. That yeah. was all going to MJ's mansion. <laughs> it wasn't even going to her house. MJ Venmoed her for for all that toilet paper. <laughs> So, so Michael Jordan and the lady with all the TP, do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Hold it. Hold it, please. Hold. All right. So we usually, like I said, leave the show off with an L. But tonight I am hoping that we can end this show off with a win. There's something that um, really, really hit my heart this week. And I'm going to be totally sincere from you with you guys. I'm not going to read from anything. This is coming straight from me. With, with everything that's going on uh, with the pandemic and the coronavirus and, and people losing their jobs and are unemployed and are searching and are desperate, I really thought about it this week, and, and I felt pretty ashamed of myself, to be honest with you. Yes, I'm naturally hard on myself, so that's nothing of a surprise. But I really thought to myself, how can I make a difference? How can we make a difference? Sure, we provide you guys with funny content and, and sports-related topics, and we, we we touch on these things, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and it gets your mind off of things for a little bit. It does that for me too, man, and I've been very transparent. We've all been very transparent about that, but in my opinion, that's not enough in times like this, and so I decided a couple days ago, I spoke with Gad. I, t- I spoke with uh, with Fake Ned and the, and the rest of the KCPN uh, network, and, and, and I, I, I wanted to bring this to the forefront. Because it's very important to me. I'm I'm in total transparency right now. I am a fortunate person. I am not lacking a job right now. I am I am considered essential in the line of work that I do, and um, I'm able to still pay my bills and still be able to do what I need to do to take care of my needs and what I have. And and I'm I'm a very lucky person. But on the flip side, I know there are many of you right now that might even be watching or listening to this. That's not your story. You're not in that position. Or somebody that you know is not in that position. And they have no idea how they're going to take care of their families and their bills in this unforeseen time, this unprecedented time, quite frankly. And so I decided to talk to my guys and we we decided to do something about it. And starting this month, in the month of April of 2020, the Spoken Podcast is starting a donation to where every single month we select one family from you guys to help take care of the situation that they're in right now. We we can't help everybody. Let me, let, let me just be very clear. We cannot help everybody, but we are going to help somebody. 
and we're going to help them as long as this lasts, as long as this virus, as long as this situation keeps people from work and keeps people from being able to provide for their families, we're going to do what we can. And we're going to be giving out a PayPal link. Uh, I will be posting it on the video here below. PayPal.me slash The Spoken Podcast. And that is where you can actually, because if it's on your heart to donate with us, because this is going to be a collective thing. We're obviously going to start this off ourselves. But you guys, if you if it's on your heart to help us out with this, with people in your community, or people that you know that need this help, and you want us to be the ones that can help with that, Definitely give what you feel is in your heart. I'm not going to tell anybody to give. I'm not going to tell you what to give. That is completely up to you. But I'm asking if that is on your heart and that is something you want to do, partner up with us, man, and let's make a difference for somebody out there because I truly believe we can make this happen. Furthermore, if you're in that position, a listener, a, a person that watches our stuff, if you're in that position right now to where you don't know how things are going to pan out for you in these next couple of months or this month in particular, I want you to send us an email. I want you to email us your information, your story. If it's somebody you know, somebody, a loved one, a family member, and their family, or a person you just happen to know, I want you to give us their information. I want you to let us know what their story is, what their situation is. We're going to discuss this as a show, and we're going to try to help out as many people as we possibly can. Like I said, every single month from this point on, we're going to collect as much as we possibly can from ourselves and from everybody that wants to partner with us and we're going to donate and try to make an impact and a difference in somebody's life because we need to do that. It is something that fell on my heart, and I knew I know it's what we need to do. So again, the PayPal, if you if you're wanting to donate with us, paypal.me slash the spoken podcast. And if you want to share your story or someone else's that is in need right now, I want you to email us at the spoken podcast89 at gmail.com. That is the spoken podcast89. The num- numericals, 8-9, at gmail.com. We're just trying to be whatever we can be for our society. Because like I said, I know there are people that are hurting much more than I am right now. I'm a, I'm a very lucky person, but that is not the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, and and, and I want to I take this a step further. This is something that I want you guys to understand to show you how serious I am about this. Every single month, and this is just for me in particular. Every single month. The top three donations in total and the average of that, I'm going to donate and match that exact number personally. I want you guys to know how serious I take this and how serious I want this to be. We are a show, again, to bring entertainment, but in times like this, we want to answer the call as best as we can, as efficiently as we can. So I hope you guys will rally with us. I hope you guys will join us in this pursuit to help somebody out there that is in need, whoever it is, whether it's you, again, or it's somebody you know, we are asking for you to help us to help them. And that's where I will leave that. I really appreciate, I genuinely appreciate all of you guys for rallying with us in this and, and for taking the time to, to join up join up in this, in this regard with us. So thank you so much, guys. I don't want to get off too far into a sob story here, but that was very important. I, I wanted to execute this as properly as I could on this on this platform because this is the platform that we do have, and I want to utilize it in the most sincere way, in the most sincere form possible. So thank you so much. But tonight was awesome. We Absolutely. had a great show. We had a ton of fun. Our lady Gad is, is the best, man. She's been doing all kinds of stuff around here in the backdrop, man. I'm telling you, we cannot do this without her, without Clay Windler, without you guys, man. Like yeah. th- You guys are what drives this, man. You really do. And I genuinely mean that, and I want to keep it that way. 
So thank you guys all so much. If you guys have any, any additional questions, you guys can hit us up in the group. You can message us personally. We're not hard to find. Let me put it just like that. Right. So for episode 60, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler and Gat, I'm Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast, and we out of this bitch. See you later. We're gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.